Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Monday night to everybody out there. We're on episode 110, presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Uh, Matt, I'm back in Virginia. I'm not in the legitimate studio anymore. I'm back in my own makeshift studio right now. <laughs> You're in the studio, the Carl studio. Um, let me see here real quick. I think someone texted me is Nick. He said, chat, son, what is, what is that? What's the chat? I meant to say sub only. Oh, oh yeah. It's in, but only it's in sub only mode. Mm-hmm. But that means so. people can subscribe tonight. And when you exactly. subscribe, wait 20 minutes, you can chat. We're trying something new here. Um, it's an opportunity for you to chat and maybe we'll call it out. <clears throat> we got a great show lined up. We've got Katrina Allen, uh, multiple world champion it's two right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now a women's disc golf championship Uh, i know it's sponsored by the title throw pink but it's officially the women's disc golf championship it is an a tier feels a lot bigger than that nick dude it's got to be a major next year with how much the prestigiousness goes into it the amount of (laughs) excuse me added cash that went into it this year i mean ten thousand dollars to katrina allen for winning it that's insane. That's just not your average A tier. There's so there's talk about it. They were they were kind yeah. of pushing JP Jonathan Poole, the tournament director. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pushing a little bit like, hey, people kind of want this. What do you think? And he's like, mm-hmm. we would be happy to facilitate those conversations. Like, mm-hmm. I have a feeling, just reading into things the way I do, it's it's gonna happen. Probably not next year. Maybe, maybe next year. But right now, the way the majors are already announced, U.S. Women's is like a week before USDGC. Mm-hmm. And throw pink, I think, is scheduled like two weeks after. So I don't think it's next year, but I do think it's probably oh, gotcha. on the way. That's my. That's kind of weird scheduling. I actually didn't even think I, about that. I, I guess. think that's correct. Yeah. I could be wrong. All right, let's bring in Evan real quick. Evan's typing away like Statmando does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How's it going? It's like the Gannon Burr mock-up, like we did. Uh, if you checked yeah. out Alden Harris's vlogs, and um, Gannon was being Statmando, and I'm wearing the hat tonight. It's a cool hat. Statmando hat. I actually just saw the patches over at the Discura warehouse today. Whoa! I was like, oh, Statmando. Yeah, I saw some of them. All right, a little behind the scenes. I gotta pump Evan's audio up a little more on my side. Well, while I'm quiet, uh, you mentioned ten grand to Katrina Allen for winning the Throw Pink. That's the second highest standard Elite Series payout ever, or tied for the second highest. The only one that was larger was uh, Kristen Tatar at Worlds earlier this year. And then, of course, uh, Pro Tour Championships, which is a non-standard uh, event, but very high pass, of course. So whether it's a major or not, I mean, it's like this is one of the most iconic victories. And maybe not iconic is not the right word, but most uh, – where am I going with this? Most uh, – Under – under not undervalued, but yeah, it's like this, this high level of marketing and promotion to the title and – at this point, and this is the argument that always happens, and I just cut you off because you were thinking, is the argument is always like, well, where's the value in the tournament lie? And I, I think, and I hear this from my brother a lot over on League Night, is what what goes into it for the player competing? What is the value to the player? Who cares what the title's name is? If the players all think that this title is worth the same as a major, it might not on paper, but to them it does. And like that mm-hmm. at the end of the day is really what matters for the competition itself 
Yeah, and, and obviously playing on the same course as such an iconic major for the men uh, means something to them. They're fans of disc golf just like we are. So Katrina Allen and uh, all the other competitors uh, playing this weekend at Throw Pink all know what it means to win this event for the men. And they just they're feeling the same thing. I want to shout out real quick, Gannon, uh, not Gannon, <laughs> our own Gannon Burr, Ben, Kenny, intern producer, uh, is not in studio tonight. So if things are a little funky, it's because I'm talking and multitasking. He's out with family. Uh, I believe that's what he's doing. I think he's hiking on a mountain. I hope he wasn't stranded on the mountain. I'm like, have a good time. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm stranded. Nice. No. Yeah. So uh, also, we'll save him later. Yeah. Also, uh, Cosmic Disc Golf, everybody. This episode 110. Presented by CosmicDG.com. Check them out. See what they have to offer. There's a selection of disc golf retail as well as some other really interesting and amazing initiatives that they have going on. You can read all about it. CosmicDG.com. Well, uh, in really, fact, I'm really wearing quick. their logo oh. right now. There you go. Oh, there you go. Well, really quick, while we were talking about money, Katrina Allen taking home $10,000. Evan just smacked me with this insane <laughs> stat right before the show. And I had to ask him, is this going to be like the stat you gave me about Paul at Ledgestone making over a hundred grand throughout this event that he's played like four or five times? He did. He said he did check it. It makes sense. But one of the stats that we used to do on the show, kind of when we first started and Statmano came into it was cash per throw. And Evan, what was Gannon's cash per throw this last weekend? Well, here in 25 grand for winning, he threw 223 times. So that comes out to $112.11 per throw, which some are going to be valued more. That putt on 17, that upshot on 18, those might be worth more. But every single throw was worth $112. Uh, not bad for a 17-year-old. Uh, not bad for anyone. <laughs> not bad at all. I'm trying to do a little bit of math. What's the actual math here? We did this for Ricky once, what he was making per hour. Can we do real quick 25 grand divided by, it's like a three hour round, right? So 25,000. Yeah, I'd say four on the side so of caution. So 240 mm. minutes, okay, divided by. I mean, it literally takes 20 minutes to walk from 16 to 17, it feels like. So he was making. Yeah, so I'd say 16 hours. What was he making per throw? 112. 112 okay throw. so just to throw it out there for fun he was making about the equivalent per minute on the course that's filthy wow. <laughs> literally just raining benjamin franklin's all day every minute wee, wee. that's absolutely insane actually we should have had a minute count like yeah. clock going on screen here and every minute it just like sprinkles money down the screen <laughs> bucks. so if you take that Per minute, that's uh, over a dollar. Yeah, exactly. Over a dollar per second. So they're just like, yeah, raining the, the dollars, dude. Just every second, just throwing dollars the whole tournament to him. So, yeah, that's absolutely insane. So good for him. And I was, I, I'm not going to lie. That's a surprising amount. It, the disc golf world is starting to try to keep up with each other. We're going to talk about it later. But the Pro Tour Championship, they upped their amounts to 35000 for first place. We can look at the whole payout structure. It's pretty interesting later. Um, but I want to throw it over to Evan. Go ahead and give us the rundown on USDGC before we, and if three, throw pink as well, um, before Katrina comes on here, we can see mm -hmm. what happens. So if you want to take that away. Yeah, Gannon Burr takes it down as I got into earlier. If you didn't know already, I mean, since you're watching this, I'm going to assume you do. Uh, like we were saying, earns 25 grand. It's his first major of his career. And it's, he's the youngest 
uh, player to ever win the United States Disc Golf Championship. Uh, he's just 17 years old. Uh, Schuster did it when he was uh, 18, and a few other, like LeCaster did it in his young 20s. Uh, incredible things, and Gannon Burr has been on the cusp all season. Uh, he had the heartbreak in Vegas. He did get Masters Cup along the way, uh, uh, being a silver event. But finally getting the major, it just felt right. Um, but it came at a cost. Nicholas Antia. Uh, oh my goodness. I almost did the Ben right there. The Antia. Antela, um, <laughs> which who knows who's right. Um, was leading going into the final round. He was the first European to ever lead outright at USDGC, uh, which is an accomplishment in its own right. I mean, just wearing the flag of a continent. Uh, I don't know if they do that for the whole continent, but still, uh, representing a whole continent, uh, he was leading going all the way into, I don't know what hole it was that it switched, but he missed a couple of, I would say makeable putts. One was uh, for a professional disc golfer. He's definitely going to want to make on 14 or 15. Uh, when Gannon makes a huge putt and then Niklas wasn't able to answer. Uh, but I think the biggest one comes on hole 17 where Gannon was probably about 60 feet out. Niklas was just outside circle. Gannon hits a ginormous putt. Uh, which we know Cannon can make those big circle two putts, uh, but a ginormous putt to put the pressure on, uh, so much so that Paul, I believe, missed his uh, circle two putt after that, and then Niklas uh, also missed his circle two putt to let Burr take a one-stroke lead into the final hole. And they they both had you know solid shots in 18, but when Niklas got up there and had the most perfect upshot you could ever had, I thought that was going to be too much pressure for Gannon Burr. I thought he was going to have, you know, a fine upshot, but not a birdie look, not a, <laughs> a tap in as it may have ended up being. But Gannon steps up there and throws in a phenomenal shot, you know, 12 feet long, has a, you know, tap in for a pro uphill to win. Uh, the seventh time ever we've seen a final round comeback, uh, and he's the 13th unique winner at the United States Disc Golf Championship. And one last stat for now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was the <laughs> second fewest major starts before getting their first major. The only person to do it quicker was Ricky Wysocki with two major starts before he won his first uh, in 2011. Gennaber has only had four previous major starts uh, before he got that. That is tied with uh, Cameron Todd, actually, a throwback name right there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but I mean, leave room for any reactions, but I do want to cover throw paint just as much. Absolutely. Go, do, go ahead and do that. Yeah. All right. Well, like we were saying before, <laughs> earlier, Katrina Allen takes it down. Uh, she had a commanding lead uh, through three rounds or through two rounds. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to butcher this. Um, Kristen Tatar struggled uh, early in round two, I think. Oh man, I didn't come prepared with numbers right here. I might have to go look it up real quick. But she was she was behind a sizable chunk. She worked it back. I think she gained seven strokes in Katrina Allen in round three. Worked her way up to lead card in the final round, uh, and put a lot of pressure on Katrina Allen. Uh, but in the end, Katrina Allen holds on to the victory. And although this is just an XA tier, it feels like a major. Uh, and just the cash payout alone has got to cash payout and the uh, uh, just the we we're talking about earlier, the Winthrop, just what it means to win there. Uh, it's got to be a huge win for Katrina. She was struggling for about a month or two right before this. I mean, she miscashed at GMC. She didn't really play great at MVP Open. 
and then she just turns around and wins one of the biggest events of the year. Uh, that's got to feel good. She went, she won in Vegas, she won in Belton, she won in Idlewild. A little bit of a gap. Uh, you got to think it would have been maybe an underwhelming season if she went without a win for the rest of the year. But getting this one kind of gets her right back on track. Um, she averaged 997 through four rounds. That's her highest event rating on this season. Um, so quite a notable performance. Her putting was on, and that's something that she can struggle with at times. Uh, so it was great to see her take down the victory. So when they call it the XA tier, or what? I mean, do ratings not count at XA tiers? Is that what it is? Say that well, again. Why do they call it? Do you remember remember when USCGC used to be played and they didn't count the ratings mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. stroke and distance way back in the day? Is USCG, USCGC now counted towards players' ratings? I don't believe so. Yeah. The X also comes from, like, who can play the event. Like, uh, for example, European Disc Golf Championship. Uh, uh -huh. Not the European Open, but the European Disc Golf Championship, which is only um, available for Europeans. Like, mm -hmm. Finnish Nationals is another one. Those ones, they limit who can play it's not a open registration um and i believe this would follow the same criteria because it's uh an invite qualifying. process based on yeah. qualifying events now i'm just so. curious why ratings still don't count for uscgc because they got rid of the whole stroke and distance except for a few shots like uh sixes drop zone if you go be off the putt you go back to the drop zone 17 you obviously have to rethrow x amount of times before you advance um, so I'm curious, is that still why it's not counted towards ratings? Because the ratings at this event are always pretty incredible because of the amount of propagators that come into the event, mainly being the out of bounds, the amount of it, and player scores being higher than usual than other tournaments. But yeah, just curiosity, because I mean, Gannon killed it when it comes to actual ratings. I mean, 1056, 1049, 1071, 1090, 1090 final round to make a comeback victory at a major is that, that's what you call clutch. I mean, literally, that's what you call clutch. And I don't know. I, I, I didn't get to watch too much of the final round. I know we're going to talk about this one, Gannon and Cateron, but I didn't get to watch too, too much of the round. But I did, did see a comment. Someone wrote there, like, tell Gannon to stop taking forever. So I'm curious. Was no, he still? He's did fine. It seemed like he was taking a while. No. It, I don't know. He was fine, I, in my opinion. I didn't get to watch too much of it. So. I think the only time like I was really like, wow, this is taking a while, was before his upshot in 18. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is saying he needs to rush and do that within 30 seconds, you're crazy. Like, they even that, called it out live. They said... That is yeah. building up the moment. Yeah, they like, said that, this is absurd. There was, like, my heart was beating so fast. Like like I was saying in the earlier, I had, like I wasn't sure if he could do it. And that was so exciting to just be like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're on the edge of your seat. And it... <clears throat> Yeah, it, it was just like the anticipation was exciting and it almost was better that he took a while instead of, you know, Chris Dickerson just run up and go. Yeah, it was uh, just building. I mean, they have, they have no idea where those upshots are landing either. No, I mean, except for the huge I, gallery screaming. That, so the gallery yeah. just screaming at it. But there's no like Jumbotron on the side no. of the building that's going up 18, just seeing where your shots landing at least. So he just hears a massive roar and then walks up to it. And he's realistically got literally a tap in to win the USCGC. Let me. Yeah, pretty, pretty filthy. My my initial to answer your question nick is and i feel like i watch for this stuff i didn't feel that like at all during the final round maybe it's what alluding to what evan was just saying which is kind of like mm -hmm. as a fan i might enjoy the fact that like there's a little bit more drama in it and players are taking their time i love seeing uh ganon like fist bumping nicholas and being like we just matched each other on hole 13 we just go to here like the whole time they knew what the scores were and they were like, you could see the emotional reaction after a solid throw. Like 
-hmm. this pumps like I know I'm keeping the pressure on and I have access to something really cool here thanks to UDisc for this one um, I'm able to go hole by hole and see where the standings were at that specific time in the tournament based off of I'm specifically looking at the top 10 players and you were asking about like earlier Evan just because it wasn't mm -hmm. on the top of your brain but like how long it was until Nicholas wasn't on top and that was they were mm -hmm. tied without him ever giving up the lead. He had a share of the lead, but they were tied all the way until hole 17. And when Gannon hit a massive putt on 17, Nicholas could have kept it tied, but missed his putt. So, I mean, it was to that point. And if you go to hole 13, because I'm just banging through it right now. So I'm playing all the way up through hole, th hole 13. Burr is three behind at hole 13, Nick. Three behind with six holes left. And he, mm -hmm. he just goes crazy from there to go birdie, hole 14, birdie, mm -hmm. hole 15, birdie, hole 16, birdie, hole 17, birdie, <laughs> yeah. hole 18. <laughs> like, it's like, and wow. So you, and you, years, you have to ahead. mention his start as well. Like he was, he got seven birdies through the first <laughs> nine holes. Yeah. Uh, and then in the middle section, there was back-to-back -back holes where there were two stroke swings one in one direction one in the other direction mm -hmm. uh it, it was a jam-packed round i mean crap i lost my train of thought now Whoa, oh um, that was the hot round seven, obviously hole 17 we didn't see the major collapse on 17 this year from a player that was in contention to win it you know in years past like we saw johnny mccray's collapse i think we've seen it potentially from ricky i mean there's been players over the years who have lost usdgc on 17 Nicholas and Gannon both put it on the green. Just Gannon hit the big putt, mm -hmm. and the and pin positions. The pin positions this year were right up against the OB, tucked literally right up against the hay bales. It looked like so one one bad little miss. There you go. All right, let's let's talk about USDGC course layout and just a, uh, let's push it till after the interviews. Yeah. In yeah. fact, we have in our green room, which by the way, I figured it out, Nick, when we had Ricky on last week. And then we had Josh from Overthrow come and peek in the background. Crash a party. Yeah. Super funny moment for us all because Ricky's turning around saying, are you here with me? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just hilarious. <clears throat> if you haven't seen it, go check that out on our social medias. But I figured it out. We do have Katrina Allen, two-time world champion, and this weekend Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Champion in the green room. So I think we should not make it delay any longer. Mm-hmm. I think it is time. Let me go ahead. I don't have Ben here producing for me, so I'm going to give this a go and say welcome to the show. Katrina Allen, how's it going? Good. Can you guys hear me? Yes, yes we, can. we can. And it is great to have you officially for the first time ever on the Nick and Matt show. We've tried a few times, but we get the tour grind is impossible sometimes. We really appreciate the fact you're taking out this time here. And congratulations on your win, Katrina. Yeah, thank you. All right. We have some things we'd love to know. As I just said, congrats on that win. Um, the the field of strength there. Did I say that correct? Strength, strength of field. Strength why of the, field, yeah. Why the Because I did it last week. <laughs> we, have a, we have an epidemic on our show, Katrina, where we say it backwards, okay? The strength of field <laughs> was high. You know that. Stat Mando yeah. knows that. Everybody knows that. So what does a win like this mean to you? Um, you know, like I said in my interviews and posts, um, I'm going to mark this as a major, even though the PDGA stats won't say that, uh, four rounds on a course that demands, um, 
like focus on every single shot. I mean, one mistake can cost you multiple strokes and, and yeah, a stacked field that you had to qualify to be here. Um, um, and it, and just like, as soon as you walk on the property, it just gives you that prestigious major feel. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Have you heard, now, have you heard any rumors or anything on the ground of it becoming a, a major? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't see why it isn't. Yeah. I've played majors that, you know, don't feel anything like that. So we'll yeah. see. No, it's a good point. I think we were speculating earlier. We expect it at some point here. All right, Nick, yeah. what did you It got? should be at this point. So what was it about, excuse me, this weekend that just everything seemed like it was clicking. You were hitting these massive putts throughout what seemed like every single round drives were on point. You had a new sponsorship this year, switching over from Prodigy, which you were with for years, into DGA this year. And just kind of talk to us, what what was it about this weekend that everything just seemed like it clicked? Um, yeah, I mean, everything kind of did just click. Um, we had a week off. I had, over the last few months, really been trying to figure out what was... Um, I just wasn't feeling confident on the tee. I just felt like something was off, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And no matter how much field work or what I did, it just wasn't getting better and I was I was getting frustrated um, and then Austin and I kind of had a little breakthrough last week and I was throwing some some really shots that felt great to me and um, I think before the tournament I think it's the night before we had finished our practice round and I was like I, I thanked him I was like thank you so much I finally feel confident off of the tee mm -hmm. um, and I think it I honestly think it was just that and um, I had talked about this last week. I just felt like I kind of knew what each hole was asking, if that makes sense. Like I just mm -hmm. kind of walked up during my first practice round and, and kind of like a game plan just came to me really easy. It, like it just kind of like worked with the way my bag was set up and my the way my game was feeling. Um, so, yeah. And the putting stroke this year is... <laughs> well, I think is... I've kind of been there all yeah. year. Or, you know, mm -hmm. like, I feel like once the season kind of got going and mm -hmm. I felt a little settled, um, I mean, it was definitely one of my better putting weeks for sure. But mm -hmm. I really have felt confident and solid every week on the putting green. Yeah, I think just the putting in general this whole year compared to, let's say, last year or even the year before that. I mean, the putts you were hitting at this tournament, I, I vividly remember just these kind of straddle jump putts that you do. Um, you hit the massive putt after what seemed like a really bad spit out on hole eight. You came back, you clutched that up from what looked like maybe just inside the circle, just outside of it. Forget exactly where it was. Yep. But is that just something where, you know, switching plastics, you're switching to a new putter. Did you find something that was similar to the old company you were with? Or did you kind of pick on just a whole new feeling putter and you've been able to make that work throughout the year? Um, yeah, I've actually only putted with three different putters since I started playing disc golf. Uh, mm -hmm. JK AVR, then I putted with the magnet, and then... Um, the PA one. Um, and so I've always had some type of bead. Mm -hmm. And so originally, um, DGA sent me a steady and I, and I loved it. And then for some reason, Scott Kesey was just like, you know what, I'm just going to send you a BL, you know, just, you know, maybe you'll like to throw it or whatever. And I kind of just put it in my practice routine and was like, there's just something about these. I never thought I would putt with a beadless putter, but um, I was just telling Austin, I'm like, sometimes I even feel like I miss the putt and they just have that little extra glide. I don't putt with a lot of speed or spin. And so it just, 
yeah, really works well with the way I prefer to putt. Nice. So going back to what Nick was bringing up and you mentioned it and you said, you said, thank you to Austin. There's something that clicked with you in the field. The question I'm about to ask will either, you know, make it so that you are the, the most smart athlete out there and you figured it out, but I'm just interested in your perspective. What does yeah. it take to make it so that you don't have that confidence that you feel like you have regained, you know, you'll speak about it. You'll yeah. say like, I found that confidence. So like, yeah. what does it take to like remove that confidence in your mind? What, what happens there? And then how did you find it? <laughs> um, it was just like, I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know how to ex explain it except for, I could just see when the disc was coming out, it wasn't coming out with the right like angle or speed or height. I was just like, it just wasn't, I don't know. Some, like I said, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's like, you know, I, I don't know. Um, that's a great question, it, but yeah, it just, didn't, it just didn't feel right. And that's the best way I can explain it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it would, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it seems like something like that happens and you're throwing what you think to be a good shot, but it leaves your hand. You're like, that's not what I wanted it to do. Is that compounding? And then it, that's where the lack of confidence comes from over time. You're like, I'm trying, I'm doing what I think I should be doing. Yeah. I guess like, that's how I used to feel every once in a while with putting. It's just like, yeah, you know, when, you know, with driving, it used to just, I just used to step up to the T and kind of know what, exactly what to do is little you know less thought there and yeah <laughs> well I, i'm the yeah. amateur on the course and every shot i throw just about comes out how i didn't want it to so <laughs> but <laughs> the difference is i've never done it really well at any point uh here's another well, question I, yeah go ahead oh i was gonna say something else that i think is like even sometimes good shots didn't feel great and then now it's like even if a shot's bad it's still it's it's still it's gonna sound really weird it still feels better like i know why i missed it was like i was getting in this space where i didn't really understand like why am i pulling it right or why is it coming out so low or why isn't it doing this and and i didn't know how to fix it and so i was just really frustrated and then, then of course you lose confidence but um yeah anyways <laughs> but you but, but you seem to have found it and that's what you were thanking austin for helping with did something just click that stood out to you about that like it was it just the reinforcement or something that changed um i mean we kind of kind of just worked on a few basic things we weren't trying to do too much i'd like i'm we're definitely over the off season gonna really really dig deeper into you know how we can perfect it but um yeah Okay. We were slated, I thought at one point, or I was prepping for you to be on an interview, I think earlier or last year or something like in our mind, we're like, Hey, maybe Kat will come on. And I had a question back then that I still think is relevant to this point. Um, okay. Uh, David Goggins is some, a book that I've definitely read. And I know I'm pretty sure you've read, you've talked about it. And yeah. I know through your career, maybe the last season or two, you've talked about like, you know, quieting your mind and doing all this stuff, bringing, like your body and your will under control, right? Um, yeah. You've talked about quieting your mind during like the round in the disc golf course. What does that mean to you? Like what's going on where you're feeling like, and then what are you doing to make that happen? Um, I just noticed the longer I play and the more media and interviews and, you know, everyone's opinion of your game and 
how you play and what's wrong with what parts of the game or, you know, um, yeah, I just think there's so much extra that can come in. I think of like when I first started playing, I was kind of fearless and just there was no expectation. Mm. So just a combo of like putting up too much pressure, um, you know, caring too much about the opinions of people that don't matter. And, you know, um, so, yeah, ice baths, running, um, pretty much. You know, and then just the battle of like, I can be out around and everyone's kind of whining about the way the course is set up or the baskets or the, you know, tee pads or the format or, and it's, it's really easy to get caught up in all that stuff, you know, or the final round. It's like, okay, it's great to have a six stroke lead, but it's also terrifying because if you lose that, it's embarrassing, right? Mm -hmm. So just, um, yeah, battling all that. And I think one thing David Goggins said um, that really has always stayed with me is like, um, you know, why do you care so much about people who, like, you're probably failing or you're not being your authentic self because you care too much about what other people think, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I've definitely, so good. it's, it's yeah, and it's it's so much harder now, I think, than ever. But he talked about, like, if I was around people who liked football, you know, I loved football. Or if somebody was like, oh, yeah, I love whatever pizza. He'd be like, yeah, me too. And, like, always wanting to fit in. And, and you know, it's finally – it finally clicked to me. Like, I, I would attribute some of that to, like, putting, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. It's like, gosh, I would even win a tournament by like five strokes and people were still just about my putting. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like, okay. Um, so, yeah. We, we do claim media status, but we try to be nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, um, it's just, it's just a part of yeah our world now. I mean, it's not even just sports. It just is a part of life now. And, yeah. um, and I just, you know, try my best to stay genuine. And um, I know that the people closest to me who care about me will love me if I get first or last. And those are the only people who care or who matter. You know? Yeah, so. that's right. They say, I'm trying yeah. to remember the saying that I'm going to probably get it wrong. But like those who don't, those who matter don't mind. And those who mind don't matter. It's, it's a, yeah, like I think that's, something like that. <laughs> no, I think that's right. It's Yeah, I definitely... Um, I've definitely, I think that's exactly what it is, but it, and it is, it's so true. Um, yeah. Wow. So, I feel like yeah. if, if we were just doing specifically like unpacking, like what you just talked about in that answer, we could probably do an hour. That was, I'm yeah, like, I can talk yeah. about that stuff for all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want more. <laughs> so that was really, yeah. really good. I think as a fan and someone who talks about disc golf, um, that side of the sport intrigues me a lot. And like, I've heard, you know, Brian Earhart, I've heard you talk about it here. And I th think those people who are focusing in on that just really inspire me to find that side of the game myself. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Well, I got to kind of, we were talking about quieting your mind, especially during the final round. I mean, you had the commanding lead going into kind of after day two, going into three, Kristen has a great round three. Now Kristen's kind of 
you know, slowly trying to creep up that final round, but you kept your composure, kept everything cool. Is that just from, you know, confidence of how your practice went that week, quiet in your mind throughout the course? I mean, what is it kind of like you're saying this, if you lose a six stroke lead at the end of the round, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, mm-hmm. but just to hold on to that and to keep pushing through, kind of just talk to us about the mentality. And then what does that feel like on the course during the round? Like what are your emotions during the round as this is happening? Um, I mean, I just had a little mantra to keep myself in the moment and, um, it was definitely just play to win. Like, don't, don't be, um, too aggressive and don't be like, um, in that mindset of like, you know, where you're playing not to lose. You know, I just, I always go back to volleyball cause that was like one of the first places I heard that, you know, a coach would, we'd get a big lead and then we'd be tipping and, you know, or just free balling over and, and our coaches would, you know, call a timeout and be like, you know, hit the ball, like be aggressive, um, you know, and so kind of go out swinging. And so I was just, you know, reminding myself to stick to my game plan and kind of obviously had to be aware of what Kristen was doing. But at the same time, I had played so well all week. Why not just focus on my own game and how I was attacking the course? And I felt like that was enough. And um, I mean, there was definitely, you know, like the tee shot on 15 through the triple man, though. That was a moment where I was like, okay, that's a huge moment. And then um, for some reason, even when I missed the island on uh, 17, I don't, I don't know. That was one of the moments where it, I should have been my most nervous, but I was, I had a sense of like peace or calmness where it was just like, get on and, and you you know, you have a putt try to make it and if not i you know had a really good game plan on 18 mm-hmm. so you had a lot of cookies in the cookie jar katrina yeah yeah and that was also helpful yeah. <laughs> jokes that I oh that's funny so um yeah so if you haven't read the book everyone i mean david goggins is an interesting human being to say the least and his book can inspire you and you might think he's crazy but it's helping katrina at some level and i'm sure you attribute it to other things that you've been working on um and other books and other things that you read um all the time i'm gonna go back to something you said in that last comment you you elaborated on a fair amount but you talked about the outside perspective of what's going on and then your perspective of what's going on and maybe yeah. even those around you who care. So from the media perspective, from our perspective, and we're analyzing the sport, and I, I don't know how you feel about it specifically, but the, the recent stretch of events leading up to here probably weren't up to what you were hopeful of. But again, your mental game could be something different. Maybe you've, that's yeah. what I want to know. How would you describe the recent stretch of events prior to this event? Because again, you might have been seeing little successes that you were happy with, but on the outside, we see a finish and a placement. So like, how would you describe the recent stretch of events leading up to this? Um, yeah, I mean, for some reason, the last few years, I just haven't, I don't know what it is about Green Mountain, but I just <laughs> haven't played well up there. I, I think a little bit of me is that used to be my two favorite courses and they made a lot of significant changes. And so maybe I'm a little my heartbroken about that no i don't know um (laughs) so i have no idea or just like um anyways uh yeah first time missing cash i think since 2013 or something like that um and so that was heartbreaking and then so what i did was um i just decided that i was going to instead of work out after my rounds i was gonna get up at five and work not work out like 
lift weights like I normally would, but just get a nice run in and do some yoga and just get moving in the morning. I just felt like I was kind of going out on the course a little uh, irritated or like impatient and just like didn't really feel myself. And so, you know, running is something that has always helped me, you know, calms the mind, I think mm -hmm. for me, cause I absolutely hate it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> doing something I hate normally <laughs> shuts that mind up. And, and then, um, yeah, just trying to focus on the little changes I was making in my throw at that time and, and trying to be more patient, try to let things go that happened on the course, a bad kick or, you know, whatever was bothering me. And just knowing that, you know, if I did that for the last few weeks, that maybe I would see some changes. And, and honestly, something I always think about is when I make any kind of change, I tell myself that you probably won't see the benefits of that change until the, a year down mm. the road mm -hmm. that you do things now for, to see the results a year. And I don't know what happened because I guess it only took three weeks, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's good. Saying kind of taking one step backwards for two steps forward, you know, yeah. you fix something and then eventually it does pay off. It pays dividends and it, it helps you out for future tournaments, yeah. future practice sessions and everything like that. So Having that mentality, especially being able to do it mid-season, is something that's very impressive to a lot of pros. And we see a lot of players kind of switch up their form throughout the year, switch up what kind of discs they're throwing on certain shots. And it's such an impressive thing because week in and week out, you guys are usually traveling right after the tournament on Sunday, getting to a course Monday or Tuesday, practicing all week, and then you got another tournament. It's just crazy how long the season feels now. It's hard to remember, you know, like... You know, we were talking earlier, Gannon lost at Vegas, but won Masters Cup. And I'm like, holy crap, I totally forgot that was even a thing this year. It's just for how long it is. But yeah. kind of switching into New Year's, and you've been playing the game for a while, multiple-time world champion. What is your goals? Or excuse me, what are your goals kind of going into each and every new year? Obviously, they change a little bit. But for the most part, what were kind of your goals for the 2022 season? I mean, I think it was obviously putting, which... um that was something I did this off season. I would get up and I would make sure I was done working out as the sun was coming up so I could go and um, putt for an hour in the morning to start off my day. I would definitely putt more times throughout the day. Um, but, um, and it was also just that mindset of like, you know, kind of like uh, Nick was just saying, like looking for those little victories you know, maybe I didn't make all the putts I wanted, but I noticed this, I was focusing more on like, okay, more, more putts are dropping. Um, and, and yeah, just, um, staying consistent with the workout routine and, um, preparation for tournaments and, um, yeah. Um, so I always focus more on what I can do you know, for instance, like, instead of being like, oh, I want to be 980 rated, it's like, okay, well, then I need to stay in the gym, I need to stick to my diet, I need to, you know, like, I pride myself in never drinking the night before a tournament. So like, things like that, you know, little goals, little discipline here and there that helps me reach those bigger goals. Um, yeah. And bringing up the diet, you have more of a, I don't want to say unconventional, but definitely a diet that most people aren't yeah. You know, a lot of people have probably heard about it, but not a lot of people, I think, follow it as well and as 
trying to think of the word, not determined. I can't think of the word right now, but as structured. Right. Um, yeah, I eat an animal based or carnivore diet or the way the more research I've done, it's like how we ate when we didn't have fast food restaurants, um, grocery stores, you know, you had to hunt and gather. Um, and actually January will be two years of that. Wow. So All right. I, I, love, I, I did catch that. I know I froze. Sorry. That's okay. I heard, I heard her answer. It was great. I, I did catch the end of it. So I like to smoke meat a lot and I've been trying every meat under the sun and it's just fantastic and it's fun. And, and anyways, so we can talk about that too. David Goggins, we can talk about the brain and the mindset and we can talk about meat. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <I can> do- <laughs> um, so How's the sponsorship with DGA working out for you? I tried to do a little research today. There weren't really any details announced originally for like length and timeline. You seem to be throwing it well. They're supporting you. What seems to be well, your social media comes off as a good sponsored player would happy. But uh, what do you think? Um, well, I don't know if you guys know, but I was sponsored by the DGA was my first ever sponsor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and me and Scott Kesey have just stayed friends ever since. Um, Obviously, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been amazing. And I talk to him like every little detail he calls me, you know, we're in communication about everything. Um, and, and not just about discs and things like that. You know, we just, he called me today to talk about, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not. Um, I maybe have been something exciting coming up in a month and nice. so yeah. look up for that. But um, we've got the exclusive audio lined up. Ben's not here to play it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyways, you know, called to ask about some of that stuff. But we talked for 30 minutes before just about the weekend and the tour and the grind and just, you know, life and things. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. Or, you know, like um, one of my good friends works at the factory, you know, where the DJ discs are made. And he'll send me snaps of like, Oh, running your vortexes today. And it's like, um, it's just pretty awesome. That's that's great. I mean, I I would say this, but it'd be putting words in your mouth. You've heard it here. Katrina stays with DGA for 2023, but is that far off? No. Um, I actually signed a four year contract. So there it is. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. That's great to hear. We're happy for your success there. Um, so I don't have any more questions. I mean, we could talk all night about the topics like we've been doing, Katrina, yeah. but I don't have anything specific. We do have a game. If you've never okay. watched the show before, it's called Stat or Fiction. And what this game is presented by okay. Stat Mando. And what they okay. do is they bring a stat. And then they say, is that a real stat or a fake stat? And I'm hopeful. Okay. I'm hopeful tonight. Let me see. Let me pull the four up here. Evan, do you have any Katrina stats tonight? Okay. I got, uh, yeah, one of them is, but I was going to okay. prelude with a fun Katrina okay. stat. Love- it's not part of the game. All right. Okay. Are you ready to go into this game, Kat? It's really fun. Yeah. All okay. Right. Here yeah. we go. Sweet. Stat or Fiction, presented by Stat Mando. All right. This is as simple I- as it gets. We say if it's true or false. And the way this started, Kat, is he gave us a stat one day about a year ago that said Paul Macbeth made like 115 at Ledgestone, 115,000 at Ledgestone. We all thought that's fake and it was fake. And we said, all right, you made a mistake. We have to make a game out of it. So here he goes. Give us a stat of it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'll get your stat frames warmed up by just this fun one that I found. It's kind of hard to make a question out of. Uh, but Katrina, you earned ten grand at your Throw Pink uh, Disc Golf Championship win. Prior to 2021 Worlds, your six previous majors, your total payout was 10,976. So almost the same as this not a major, I'll put that in quotes, uh, win was. But so that's all a right. stat. That's a stat, Evan, right? Yeah. And I oh, I already <laughs> Yeah, I just laid it out. Yep. Yeah. I remember my check for my first world championship. <laughs> And uh, I want to do one more just on the fun train of it. But uh, the last time that Katrina Allen missed cash at an elite series or major before GMC, there's only six people in the field. So like just how much has FBO has grown since then? I mean, how many amazing players that we saw competing at Winthrop this past weekend? Uh, It's incredible to see. And just the game is completely different uh, than than what it was. I mean, Mm -hmm. even five years ago. For sure. But all right, let's get into the actual game, though. Okay. In uh, here, stat or fiction number one. Uh, Gannonburr, with his victory at USDGC, is the first MPO player to win a major before winning Elite Series event since Will Schustrick in 2010. No, I need a clarifier here because wasn't Worlds Wait. a thing before the national tour was a thing? It, this is since 2010. Okay, sorry. Thank you. That was yeah. the clarifier. Okay. I'm so, so, so I'm saying that Will Schuster was the last person to do that. Okay. I'm so Nick's going to start oh, it off. No. Nick's going to start it off. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's okay. okay. If you if you want to give us insight, Katrina, go ahead. Yeah, don't give us <laughs> insight. for yourself. <laughs> go ahead, Nick. Uh, I'm going to say fiction. D- yeah, and you don't want to you don't want to say why because that'll help me out. Um, yeah, exactly. Major. You said major champion, like they won a major. Yeah. Okay. Before yeah, an elite in MPO before winning an elite series. Um, my brain is frozen. I'm gonna have to just ride this the Nick bus. Here we go, fiction. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I gave it away. Uh, fiction, Ricky Wysocki, 2011. Whoa. So I was thinking, I was Ooh. thinking Ricky. I didn't know what year, but I was thinking Ricky probably won an NT before he won his first major. Yeah, I'm actually pretty sure that's right. Well, this is fiction. Yes, you guys have that. I'm pretty sure that's right, but there was one more recent. 2011. There you go. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I got to check all my numbers here, but it is fiction for multiple reasons. (laughs) I have Sexton as 2017, but why am I? Simon was 2015 Ledgestone. So uh, Nate Sexton ended up winning Ledgestone after his first USDGC win as well. So that was more recent. Then also, I wouldn't have used this as the only one. It depends on uh, whether you're considering standard Elite Series, all this. But Chris Dickerson uh, had not won a standard Stroke Play Elite Series before he won 2020 USDGC. However, he did win multiple pro tour championships mm. so multiple way to cut it that that was fiction the chat but how just, cool the chat just said if cat wins this she gets honorary title of cat mando <laughs> yes <laughs> i like awesome. that but so. i see i like that stack because i wish it was true because obviously there's the will shoestrick gannon burr connection it would have been cool if he was the yeah. last one to do that since will shoestrick but it is not 
Did it have to be USDG? It didn't have to be USDG. Just a major. Just a, just a any, major. Any yeah, major, yep. In 2011, Ricky won whatever that major was at yep. IDGC. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the Players' Championship, PDG Championship, whatever else called mm-hmm. back then, yep. All right, moving into number two. Paige Shoes Ace on hole 17 at Winthrop was the first tournament ace by a world champion this season at a DGN-covered tournament. What? That's a jam-packed one. There's a few. There's a you few clarifiers. Up, Do they have to be on the lead card, or just you're saying add any anybody that threw it? Didn't even have to be on coverage. Yeah, it just had to be at a DGN yeah, just, event. It was just at a DGN covered event. It was a way to throw throw pink into it. And I, I will put in one clarifier that it's it's from a standard stroke play event. Um, so I I know there's been like some skins on on DGN. There was the Funky Farms event. So we're just going to stick to standard champion. stroke play events. For MPO and FPO? MPO and FPO and a world champion in those divisions. Um, Paige Shoes Ace on hole 17 was the only one this year by a former world champion uh, at a DGN covered event. Mm. This one, people complain about me taking too long on here. They call me the Ganon of Stat Mando, Stat Fiction. Um, I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to go through all the aces real quick, and I just can't do it fast enough, and I'm not going to take all the time to do it. I feel like world champion cat sitting here going, I, I aced Matt. No, <laughs> I'm like trying to think, uh, I, I'm going to say fiction. You're up cat. Oh man. You can rule yourself out if you didn't get it. No, I don't ace. Okay. I haven't had a tournament ace since 2013. So not me. Right. Uh, I'm going to also say fiction. All right. I can't think of so this is pretty much any elite series event because they're all covered by dgn technically yeah, yeah it's so pretty, pretty much, much just silver and up and then i'm including throw pink yeah so i'm just trying to think of like paul ricky cat page james conrad page two, james conrad greg barsby i could see barsby ace, acing I, something i thought he did but i went back too far and it was last year <laughs> i yeah. don't know i'll say f- fiction as well <laughs> we're all we're not gonna separate here at all all right what's the yeah j- just to clarify it was the only ace this season so you guys are saying there was another ace this season oh well i was just saying oh, yes. no, now i gotta yes. switch to stat yeah, yeah. Nick, to say, pages you're... is the only ace so i want to say oh, stat then yes yeah, so uh, you want to say stat you so are all stat too? stat i want fiction <laughs> i want to say that was the only one by a world champion that's what i'm saying yeah that's stat that's so what that i would said. be stat what so let me let me rephrase the question. Paige Shoes ace on hole 17 at Winthrop was the first tournament ace by a world champion this no, season. I want fiction. I want fiction. I'm staying with it. You think there is another ace by a world champion? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm just rolling the dice. Yes, yes, that is perfect. Okay. All right. Okay. And the answer is stat. Oh, man. That is the first and only ace this season by a former <laughs> world champion. The last ace at a DGN covered event by a former world champion was last year at uh worlds by Sarah Hokum. Mm. Oh yeah. That was awesome. Okay. Oh, that's right. At uh, Mulligans, right? James Conrad yeah. aced yes. the event that he won worlds at. <laughs> so oh, that's true. Y- yeah, he won he did that too. So it was, he did, <laughs> yeah. but he technically yeah, wasn't I, I a world champion yet. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, kind of a either way. It's not yet. <laughs> exactly. year, yeah. um, now, I guess I just rolled the dice wrong there, but good job. You guys are leading two to one. Uh, we have one more to go here to see if we get an outright leader. If not, we have a playoff. Here we go. Question mm-hmm. three. All right. Katrina Allen has now earned $81,197 at A tiers in her career, including X A tiers. So all the all the kind of versions, those being the only two. Uh, that is the most of any FPO player. So Katrina Allen has earned $81,197 at A tiers, including X tiers, the most of any FPO player. Specifically A tiers. And because it's not fair to have Katrina answer first here, we got to go back to Nick. Oh, I was going to go off of her answer. Of course you were. <laughs> also, not, now I got to think, is like a Des Redding or Val Jenkins, but the money wasn't the same back then Mm-mm. when they were playing tournaments as much. And is, is I, this even a lot, Nick? I mean, it, maybe it's like the 10th most, who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know, no kidding. Were there more A-tiers back in the day? Uh, that's That's the real question. Juliana Corver, could she be doing it? <laughs> so many. What do you um, think? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say stat. That's that's I'm gonna say stat. All right, and Evan, you're saying that is the most. That is the most of any FPO player. My knowledge, and speaking in front of Katrina, my knowledge of Cat is she tends to play a lot of A tiers, or she has. And I'm speaking again with her here, but like my perception is she used to say like I go find that tournament, and I've you've. I think I'm quoting you. That's my honey hole. Like I know there's a tournament I can go play and win some money. Um, I'm going to say stat as well. What do you think, Kat? Yeah, stat. And yeah, I have been quoted that. I told <laughs> Nate Heinle, oh, thanks a lot for inviting everyone to my favorite tournament. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I had played it in 2013, 14, yeah. and then whatever year, 15. And then I think 2016, 15 or 16 was the first year. It was a disc golf pro tour event or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this was supposed to be my little tournament where <laughs> the, the money won too. It feels like, you know, better than yeah. nature, but the money. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So let's see. I, if Evan says like, nope, it was 87,000. I'll lose my <laughs> <Right>. mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well <laughs> about that. No, it is still stat. All right. Uh, that is a stat. $81,197 at eight tiers, including X eight tiers. Yeah, but uh, how many A-tiers did that take? That's what's crazy about where the money's changed. Ooh. Well, I was going to say, I jumped ooh. back to you in like 2014 and the A-tiers that you were winning, you were making, let's see, A-tiers, 550, 398, 500, 600. So this 10 grand really jumped that up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. And this is why when I see, you know, people whining about things, it's like, <laughs> If you only knew how good you guys have it now. <laughs> and All those right. eight years were two or four rounds in two days. So <laughs> we need a tiebreaker. I do know. Well, I, I will say that is from 81 wins uh, in that yeah. tier designation. I don't have the total events handy. Um, but for the tiebreaker, let's do this. Sarah Hokum has the second most cash earned at A tiers, including XA tiers. Uh, so Nick and Katrina. Uh, how much cash has she earned at A tiers, including XA tiers? And this is not a standard stat or fiction question. It's just going to be whoever's closest to the number. Uh, and she and has not, how many? You, you have to guess that. 
<laughs> she has the second most cash we have to guess or oh tiers. no i thought you told us how many she had won okay oh eh, i'll tell you after <laughs> well that's supposed to help me judge i'll make it tough on yeah. you okay should i go first ladies first okay is it like just closest or if you uh, yeah just closest no closest. Prices not, right not rules. prices right rules. yeah my one hint is it's less than eighty one thousand and okay <laughs> thank you so much thank you <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with $67,500. I literally was going to say 67000 No, I have to change. I swear to God, I was going to say 60. <laughs> I, I started at 62, and then I was like, you know what? I think 67 is a pretty happy medium. You know. You can play I the under. Yeah. No, $1. that's such a chotch way to do <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. $67,499. What? <laughs> um... All right, well, I'll stick with my guy. I'll go 62000 All right. And the answer is 50974 oh Okay, see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll still give you the Which, honorary yeah. cat, Mando. We'll, we'll still go. Yeah. You made it to the playoff. Not a knock on Sarah, but a lead of thirty-one grand, or just short of thirty-one grand, but over thirty grand, uh, is remarkable. Um, wow! It, especially since it's only eighty-one thousand, and then leading by thirty thousand, and you know, that's pretty good. Wow! Yeah, the last weekend was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that's huge. true. Holy cow! Yeah. And I mean, I hate to talk to people about their money, but I mean, is something like that like? I'll just ask it. Do you have tournaments as like a bonus in your like your salary mindset? You're like, hey, that's a bonus because you can't expect to win anything. Or do you kind of like uh, build it into a salary? Like, how do you handle these wins? Um, I mean, I'll definitely I've definitely was at South Park Mall today, like, um, you know, or we're going to Paris for Austin's birthday um, with Mike and Melissa Wagner. And so I was like, hmm. Maybe we can upgrade to first class now. You know, I definitely think that way more like, okay, well, that was way above, you know, like you said, you can't expect mm -hmm. to make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, nice. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like I heard at MVP when we were playing a practice round. If you guys won one of the couple tournaments coming up, you might upgrade to first class. And, yeah, yeah, you know, I would love not to. Too yeah, we're flying, um, what is it, direct from Detroit to Paris. Mm -hmm. And we'll land in the morning, so it would be ideal to be in those ones where you lay down and sleep, so that yeah, you're no, more yeah. than ideal. Oh man! Um, but anyway, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm very grateful between Squatch and uh, DGA. I don't. I'll be honest. I could not cash all year, and I could sustain being on the road. That's how well they take care of me. So. Very awesome. Very, That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very very lucky to have them. Yeah. I thought the uh, the Squatch symbol, when they had made a post, I think they had the little, was it your emblem above the Squatch logo? It was really cool. I yeah, saw you they, post about uh, that. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. They made uh, Ezra's with a, what do you call it? Ezra Alderald's, um, like the, the bicep. Flight. Have you seen yeah. his? Yep. And then they put yeah. the bow on for me, even though I think I should the also bow, have The that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> But yeah. Awesome. Nice. Well, we're very grateful and privileged and honored to have you on the first time ever again, Katrina Allen, everybody. We'll have you back uh, sometime. Again, I'll try to plan out something special. We can just talk about mindset. And we're like, yeah, I would love that. Well, yeah. Maybe we just do like, now I'm talking out loud. I do too many podcasts, but we could do a podcast, like a 10 episode season 
we just talk through the mental aspect with cat or something we'll figure it out <laughs> yeah it's my you can ask anyone close to me it's something that i i just i love you know wim hof or um cameron haynes or any of those people i just love um I don't think we talk enough about how, you know, manifesting mm -hmm. or how, mm. you know, or how negativity works every time and how, Let's you know, yeah, yeah, Let's so, do yeah it. I'm, I'm definitely down. And, um, I was just thinking during the game, I always get nervous for this stuff. I don't think people realize how much I'm just not a camera or mm -hmm. a whatever, but when we were playing the game, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot we were doing a, you guys yes. made me feel so comfortable <laughs> that I forgot. Nice. I was Very cool. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's awesome. our goal. That's our goal. And we're happy that's the case. Yeah, we were just having a yeah. FaceTime hanging out for sure. There, yeah. <laughs> there weren't 500 other people watching live. <laughs> it's, exactly. Right. And then I was like, oh, wait, there are people watching. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. be yourself, but don't don't show them too much. <laughs> that's okay. Exactly. We thank exactly. you very much. Uh, again, yeah. we'll reach out another time and we'd love to ch chat again. So thank you for your time okay. tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kat. Yeah. Have a good night. Have fun. All right. Peace thank out. Bye. See ya. Okay, I, I've got a I've got a humble brag. Do it now that and we've got Katrina. Gannon in so, the green room, just so you know. All right, I'll make it nice and quick. So, Kat and I both share August birthdays, and for our birthday after Ledgestone, we a bunch of us with Discraft and DGA, a bunch of us went out to Dylan Cease's uh, game that he was pitching against Verlander, and up on the jumbotron, there was a really really sweet thing from the Discraft and DGA family. They hooked it up with the White Sox, and they said, "Happy birthday, Nick! We love celebrating you guys." Uh, Nick and Cat, excuse me, Nick and Cat. And so Cat and I, we were up in the pitcher's box getting to celebrate our birthday together, which was super cool. And then a bunch of us, we went out shopping, had a bunch of food. So anyways, August birthdays are awesome. And Cat is an awesome person as well. <laughs> That's cool. And you know what she said? Most people don't know that she's nervous. And only because I've followed disc golf for a while, I know that she's had those feelings, but I didn't feel that at all during the interview and I was going to tell her that. And she said she actually didn't feel that for a while. So she liked that. And that was cool. So yeah. very cool. All right, let's go ahead and do this. Let's uh, bring them in. Let's bring them in. Let's see if my buttons work correctly. He didn't pop up behind cat tonight. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Gannon. Burr. We're excited to have you, man. How's it going? Uh Oh, can you hear us, Gannon? You can hear us. Can, can you say hi or will it not work? No, it's not coming through. Huh? Um, you are unmuted on our side. It seems like it's possible. This happened last week. The kid week. wins 25 grand. We should have a microphone for him and everything. We, we could gotta, just send him one. We, yeah, we got to just send these to our guests. Just mail them out next day shipping. Gannon, on the show. Here's your whole podcast. Setup. Try it one more time where you close out and you should still be able to hear us. Try it one more time where you close out. And when you're coming back in, just make sure it has the right microphone selected. Like it'll give you options for camera and mic and all that. And then just give it another try. So like actually close the web browser totally and come back in. All right. We're going to let them do that. I don't know. This has been a pretty solid platform for us. I'm not sure. Seems like when They've they join with glitchy. their phones, when they join with phones and then like they get a text or something going on, it seems like it's wanting to override it. This is where we need Ben to fix it. What the heck, Ben? Yeah. You're not getting paid this month now. Yeah, I don't. One day off, no pay. That's a Ben issue, but this is okay. Um, well, if we're still waiting on him, I'll just drop drop a few knowledge knowledge nuggets. Well, give us some knowledge. Real, Unless you have something to go to, Matt. Yeah, we do actually. I do not, and I actually really want to make sure I talk about. We do it every week, but I want to talk about DG Max Wax. 
DG Max Wax, right? This product, besides the fact that it smells good, <laughs> that's not what the product was designed for, although it's a nice benefit. The grip enhancement that I get is just enough. I mean, during the pandemic, people are going to be grossed out either way. They're going to say, don't lick your fingers. But like sometimes you just get that little bit of moisture, rub it on your pants, get the dirt, whatever. You get reached for the dirt and you're doing it, right? Eagle found glass. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, not gosh. the best thing to do. Yeah. You have this in your bag, whether it's the Snapstick or the Mini, and you're able to just get the right amount of grip that it's perfect. Get 10% off if you go over to dgmaxwax.com. Pick one up. Pick up two, a Mini and a Snapstick, or pick one up for your friend, or visit your local retailer and then give them a review on Google or something. But DG Max Wax, awesome product. Our fans and people in the chat always talk about how much they like it, so... There we go. All right, let's try this again, and I'll feel bad if it doesn't work because I'm not sure what we'll do, but let's give it a go. Can you hear us, Gannon? He can hear us, but I can't hear him. Why? Why can't I hear Gannon? Um, Is there any setting on his side? It says he's muted on my screen. Does it? There we go. He's unmu Now he's unmuted. It's no. Oh, oh yeah. no. It's saying unmuted for you, Nick? Well, yeah, now now it, I think he muted himself to see if that was it, but, but that you don't wasn't. have AirPods in anymore, right? Are you connected <laughs> to any other Bluetooth that would be around? No, this is funny. We're like troubleshooting it with Gannon. This is such a waste <laughs> of our, not our time. I mean, I'm happy to do it with Gannon, but a waste yeah. of his time. Um, do, do, do. I'm looking on my side. He's not muted. I can mute him, but that's not doing it. Can we send him a different link? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the link. It's going to be the something going on with the phone here. But yes, we could send him another link. Let's do that. Okay, so Evan, go ahead and give us what you were going Evan, to give us. Evan, give us some Sit knowledge tight. nuggets. Gannon, I'm going to send you another link. All right. Uh, well, Gannon Burr is one of four players to win both an MPO major and an amateur major. Uh, he won... A, Man, I don't have it in front of me. 2017 and 2019, I believe. Uh, MJ3 and MJ15. So we won both before and after. They switched it to a kind of age-based numbering system before it was just a kind of tier-level numbering system. Uh, the other people to do that were Ricky Raisaki, Nate Sexton, and Nate Doss. Uh, we mentioned his 1090-rated final round. That's the fourth highest in USDGC history. Um, USDGC hasn't seen an 1100-rated round yet. Uh, which is a little surprising with all the OB there and crazy scores, but it's kind of one of those things that it gets everyone, it seems. Uh, but 1090 is uh, absolutely no slouch of a round rating, as you were mentioning earlier, Nick. Mm -hmm. um, he also has the second shortest gap since Ken Climo uh, in 1990 um, between the last AM event that they played and then their first MPO major win. Um just over a thousand days for Gannon Burr. The only one to do it in a less, lesser amount of time, fewer amount of time, uh, is Ricky Wysocki, who we mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, <laughs> do we mention he's also 17 years old? Like he could still be playing junior events if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, well, maybe because he accepted cash, he can't. But uh, <laughs> all things considered, his age still allows him to, uh, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's definitely wild, and it's funny because he always talks about how, you know, growing up, he really loved watching Will Schustrick. You know, that's kind of a player that he emulates, in a sense, his form, love the style that he used to play, and then to go out and win the USCGC is your first major. It's just such like a, 
like following in Will's footsteps in a sense. It's just such a cool thing where, I don't know, 17 years old winning USDGC is absolutely, it's insane to me. It, it was, because I didn't get to watch it as much as I would have liked to, but I was scrolling through, you know, disc and just refreshing, refreshing. Then all of a sudden I see Ganon Burt wins it. I'm like, no freaking way. Like 17 year old kid. And then finding out it's the youngest player ever to win it. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's mind boggling to me. And then watching kind of the highlight video. I love the highlights that, uh, the disc golf pro tour was putting out on YouTube. Um, when I can't watch a Celtics game, I always try to watch the Celtics highlights and I get that feeling of like, whether I know, I probably know whether they're losing or winning or like, I love watching darts. And so I get to watch the darts highlight and more than likely I know who won the event, but, um, is really cool just watching those massive putts, the shots that these players have to make, especially on these holes, the changes that happened with Winthrop this year. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, how many USCGCs has Gannon even played? It's kind it's of the same this, thing. Nicolas Antila, yeah. like this was his first USCGC ever, and he was the first European player ever to be leading and yeah, then leading to, to almost take it down. Yep. Yeah, Gannon was the, he is the second. Um, player to win in their second start uh nicola castro being the only one other to do that i mean also ken climo did it in his second start Mm -hmm. but that was the second year it happened Mm -hmm. so kind of hard to use that one so third if you wanted to count that um but yeah it is unprecedented to win that early nobody since climo i think i can hear gannon yeah i think i can hear look at that had won it in their first start so nicholas was very close to uh getting that incredible record but I'll hand it off to you, Matt. I've been feverishly working behind the scenes, and Ben would be proud, intern Ben, seeing how much we're we're phone calls and troubleshooting. And I think we can hear you, Gannon, but can you hear us now? Looks like his connection's a little jumpy. (laughs) I was going to say, now, of course, the connection is going to be jumpy. (laughs) Let's see. Let's see. Can you hear us, Gannon? Oh, no. What a stone cold face, though. (laughs) Did we just hear him? No? I, I thought we heard him. I heard something in the background. Wait, <laughs> this is hilarious. Oh, now it's connection. Yeah, this is hilarious. Something to do. This with is a couple weeks in a row. We're, we're having uh, some low key issues, but really quick. I do. I just saw this in the chat from our boy, David Fleck, but Harry Chase, a buddy of ours from the New England scene, won the Philly Open down in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Nice. I want to say it was an A tier. I could be wrong. Maybe a B tier. But That's just a quick little shout out towards him. Um, before we get Gannon on, Casey White defended a title at the Norbrook Championships. Uh, so that's cool. He went back to back at that event. He actually had. A- oh, well, no. Are we losing Nick now, too? Now Nick is freezing up. <laughs> oh, Evan. man. We're dropping like flies. Evan, don't I was going to say, now, I literally, as I was saying that, I was like, great. And now I froze. Technical <laughs> difficulties all over the world going on right what's, now. But yeah. what's interesting is I can see a lot of information. And it was saying earlier today, Nick, that you're packet loss was significant and i was like huh so your internet was funky okay i'm gonna try one more time here and then we have a plan if if gannon doesn't work out here we have a plan to go try to get a laptop for him so let's see if we can get this to work can you hear is he frozen again can you hear us gannon (laughs) this is hilarious this is the best moments of our show ever we just get the stone cold gannon burst stare down i'm gonna win the usdgc This is like when we accidentally clickbaited Chris and Tatar in studio. <laughs> but this is just like freeze frames of Ganon. So, yeah. but all right. He, yeah, he's the like plan on is, the show. The, yeah, he's on our show. He's <laughs> just not talking. So the plan is, I did a phone call with him. 
I think that was probably his last attempt with the phone. He's going to try to get a laptop and he's going to try to get it copied over. And he's going to, his, his mom was there saying they're going to hook him up. So let's see if that happens nice. in the meantime, while we wait on that. And I apologize everybody for how jumpy this show is going at this point. Cat was, that was awesome interview. We're going to let this next oh, yeah. one be a great interview as well. But let's go ahead and jump to, um, can we start talking about the format for the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships? Who's most knowledgeable in this room right now? It's I know there's four rounds and it's starting on Thursday, correct? Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. a play-in, and when does that start? Oh, I, I don't know the exact times of the play-in, but I do know um, that there are two players who get in. Um, and as far as I know, there's no uh, guaranteed cash to those players. Uh, but the two players who get in from the play-in would make the you know final 32 or final 16 and then are guaranteed cash. And then each round after that, it's top four players of that round advance to the next round. Um, and so you have players who are uh, 17th in the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings to 30th um, play in the first round. The top four of them, including the two play-in winners, um, will advance to the quarterfinals where they will join uh, the nine seed or ninth best in the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings up until the 16th. So that's 12 players in that round. The top four advance to the semifinals, where you'll meet the top eight seeds. And again, 12 players, the top four from that will advance to the final round, final day. Um, It'll be only four players for each division. um, And the winner will be the winner. And, and when I was going through that, I was going through the MPO. The uh, FPO uh, will have, um, I believe it's just one buy. Oh, man, I need to double check this. But they only have four players uh, in that top buy. Okay. And it's interesting because the audio is working, but it keeps freezing up on his side. And I think that's partly our issue here. So, um. I think he's trying to get on the laptop and this is exciting for everybody. I'm no, but, uh, so you're right. I I think that the people who are playing in are not getting paid, but the people, once they make it to round four are, and I think you, did you say the number there? I think it's like 2,400 or something. Uh, for the payouts. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to grab the payouts real quick. Um, I'm pretty sure I want to, I want to go find it myself because I felt Uh, like it was really generous and I was happy to see this year. How I have it right here. So if you make uh, the, the top four is the same in both divisions. So I'll start with that. It's 35,000 to the winner, 20,000 to second place, 14,000 to third place and 9,000 to fourth place Um, in MPO. If you make the semifinals, you earn $5,500, 5,500. If you make the quarterfinals, that's, 3,500. And if you um, just play an event, you either win the play in and you get into round one, or you earned that spot in round one, you earn $2,500. And FPO, if you make the quarters, you earn $3,000. If you make the semis, it is $5,000. So uh, for example, I mean, Kristen Tatar, Katrina Allen, um, Paige Pierce, and own Scoggins. Wow. I need to refresh on who's that fourth spot in FPO, but they have all guaranteed themselves $5,000 because they have made semis players like Ricky Wysocki, Paul Macbeth, and the rest of the top eight in MPO have guaranteed $5,500. 
So no matter, even if they lose the first round they play, they still are guaranteed that money. So why is money important? And it brings up a bigger conversation about how we make the, uh, I know we have all different feelings on playoffs, but how the playoffs are going to stick around unless Jeff Spring really decides to change his mind. I think the way you make the playoffs more exciting is by putting more on the line to that. If it's harder to make it through round one, even like let Paul, let Paul play it with an advantage. Like I, going back to my point. Right. And so now the players that go, yeah, but now I travel all the way down there just to get knocked out in the first round and wasted, you know, X time and money. Well, now, dude, you made round one, you're getting paid and it's well worth your time to go in with $2,500 just for making the trip. Um, so that's why I think the payout's important here. The fact that they're paying out $35,000 now for the top, the winners, I, I wouldn't use the word exorbitant yet, <laughs> but that is... There's nothing that's I mean, ever been paid. Wise, yeah. yeah, there's nothing that's ever been paid out higher than that for yeah. a single win. So that's we have, massive. We have Three. multiple players who might only play two rounds and literally make that much money. Yeah. You know, what is there four or eight of them? Four of them, technically, who there just play Saturday and Sunday potentially? Eight in MPO and four in FPO who yeah, will I have mean, to buy all the way to Saturday. To potentially only play two rounds of disc golf and make. 35, 30, 000. what do we say? $35,000. Yeah. That's yep. Um, yeah. And, and looking here, it is, uh, the play in will be on Wednesday. Uh, and so then round one will be on Thursday, uh, round two, which is the quarterfinals will be on Friday. The semifinals will be on Saturday with the final, uh, round being on Sunday with only eight, only eight players all day for an FPO for an MPO. Um, and there's something special about that. Like it, it's so incredible. I mean, we have, we're spoiled with live coverage where we see up, upwards of 12 different players playing each round, or even if the lead card maybe isn't playing the great, like we saw, what was it, round three at UCDC, they weren't really playing great, and the chase card took over the whole, you know, top four spots, and then they jump over to chase card. Now we're just watching chase card for the rest of the round. When you get to that final round, that's all it is. It's almost like kind of throwback post-produce now, or throwback still being today. Uh but with like so much on the line, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, if you remember last year, uh, both Adam Hammes and Haley King made the final round, uh, mm-hmm. but they both kind of got out of it about the front nine in. And mm-hmm. it was kind of weird seeing that, but then there's so much on the line with the people who are uh, leading and going on to win. Like it's, it's one of the most like spectacular events of the year. They really do something special and different with it that feels just different. Yeah. One thing, and this is completely off subject, but we kind of forgot to talk about it earlier, which maybe after Gannon's interview, we'll talk a little bit more about USDGC. But as we're waiting for Gannon's interview, can we just talk about how it went from being a pay-per-view event to finally not being pay-per-view? If you were a DGN subscriber, you got to watch it just by being a DGN subscriber. Well, I mean, technically it's honest, pay-per-view, but it's like it, it's, a, well, it's a subscription. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have literally. True. I mean, wh- what did it cost last year? Does anyone remember? Yeah, it was. I think twenty five dollars for just the normal live. Um, yeah. For the pay per view for USCGC. Yeah, if you just want, there's like different tiers, like if you want discs or yeah. post produced and all that. But I think yeah. just for live coverage, it was twenty five, if I remember right. So what's I, I forget what it is, but what's the normal monthly subscription it's for DG? Like it's ten. It's less than that. I mean, someone could have literally paid one month of subscription 10, and get. Yeah, and you're if getting, you're a PDGA you know, member, it's five dollars. So. Yeah, and look at look at all the events that we're getting recently. We've you're getting the playoff events. You're yeah. getting the USCGC. You're getting well, the Throw Pink. You're yeah, getting and some the events Tour are free. Like, I mean, MVP Open was free if you're a PDGA member. Like you, mm-hmm. just, 
you had to link your PDG number. Or how, I don't even remember how it works because it's been so long. But <laughs> I will say the user interface though was pretty tough. Like it, it was tough to do the pay per view through even through DGN last year. It was like, man, I got to loop this, loop that, find this playlist. It was a little bit crazy. But to Nick's point, yeah. and I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, I, it was seamless this year. And a seamless. Let me put it this way: they're not doing post production still now. Some will say, yes, they are. So DGN is taking video coverage and they are doing their own post-production. I believe Terry Miller did some voiceover uh, for the rounds like commentary. And I think it's for the throw pink. They, I forget who they had do that. But the point is they were doing post-produce, but it's still up on DGN. So it's for subscribers. So how in the world did DGN secure that where they were how it was viewed? Uh, how come USDGC gave that up? I could be way off here, and I literally have nothing to base this off of except for my imagination. Did DGN say, like, all right, fine, we'll come out and produce it. Like, our crew is ready to go if you give us access to it. There would have to be more than that because the amount of money you know they are raking in last year with the pay-per-view. But, like, they must have got some major significant deal where USDGC said it was worth it. And DGN said it was worth it because they had exclusive access, or you know what I mean, rights to it. So who knows? But it was something that happened, and we have Gannon in the green room, and I'm curious to know if we can hear him. Can Gannon, uh, can you hear us? Yes. Oh, my goodness. We can hear Gannon. Let's bring him in. <laughs> the ce the celebration. works. The celebration. It was wonderful. Gannon, we are so glad you stuck it out with that, just like you did at the USDGC. You like how I did that? I mean, the putts were coming was, in hot. I was gonna make a time violation joke, but I'll I'll, I'll refrain. <laughs> Goodness, we're not even we're not even twenty seconds into the actual interview. No, I was saying like you know we had we scheduled Gannon for what eight eight ten, and it's you know you see he's just twenty two minutes over. It's all right, you know. He's a USDGC champ. He's allowed to do it. He's got the rings to prove it now. Okay. Someone nah, once, someone Congratulations. once said, yeah, someone once said, if they're not razzing you, then they don't like you. So we like you a lot, Gannon, apparently. Last time <laughs> you were on the man. show, Chris Dickerson was roasting you, and I think his wife, Brittany, was a little bit too. You are in studio. Good times. But let's let you get a word out. Um, and I'll say this. I hope we aren't interrupting your senior homework assignments, but we definitely want to say congratulations. Uh, I think you used the words biggest thing to happen in your life to this point. Is that accurate? Yes, for sure. Is there what, what? No, Matt, you're not allowed to. Matt, I'm going to say this right now. You're not allowed to ask him this. Is this the biggest win of his career? Yeah. Is this the. You're not allowed to. Is what's what's second? Like, if you could think of something, like, what would even be close to it in your mind? Like, what do you relate things to? Like, in terms of how much it means to me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said, like, this is first. What would be, like, second? Yeah. My Ooh. win at Masters Cup. <laughs> yes. There you go. Awesome. There you That's go. awesome. So um I will say this. I just said I don't like to talk to Katrina or any but players about their money, but contract renegotiations are a thing. But how do you feel about your current situation? I mean, you start getting the wins. You're just ready to ride out your two years. I think you're through 2024, right? 2023. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, hey, next year would be. So I'm yeah yeah I'll, I'll be up at the, uh, at the end of the next year so uh yeah i'm i'm happy with where i'm at right now okay now you got some negotiation things to go with it but <laughs> dude dude 
dive right into it. I mean, USCDC, massive putt on 17, clutch plays throughout the whole weekend, great shots on hole 10, especially that final round, being able to make that eagle on that shot when Niklas always plays it for birdie. Just bring us through the whole tournament. I remember seeing one of your posts, you were saying, still on the chase card, going to make a push, and then boom, you're up on the lead card now, ultimately winning the tournament. But honestly, talk to us about the beginning of the week, coming into the end of everything. Yeah, I admit a post, um, I think before the first round, um, I don't know exactly how I phrased, but I, I just said I wanted to win this one so much. Like, this is the one I want to win. Um, and, you know, I've I've always felt, I guess, I guess the two years I've played at USDGC, I've felt pretty good about my game plans and the way it kind of sets up for my game. A lot of, you know, you have, you have airspace to work with and there's a lot of flex lines, I feel like, and you can throw straight mids um putter shots overstable fairways and then obviously some overstable drivers there's not a ton of like finesse shots out there it's more about you know working with what you feel most comfortable with um within the airspace that you have to get it close so you know i was, I was feeling pretty good about it and um i'd gone through my head um you know i, I practiced the first half and the, uh, the back half of the course a lot and not so much the middle section but it was kind of weird i did the best in the middle section it felt like mm -hmm. um but yeah, I just, you know, start off, my goal was to shoot like a five down the first round. I originally thought like 22 was going to win the event, which obviously wasn't going to even be close. Mm -hmm. um, conditions, I think, were just perfect. So that's why they were more under par. Um, yeah, I went six down, six down, nine down, 12 down. And, uh, you know, I had, I had a double bogey in round three and round four, um, which at both points in time, when I got those doubles, I thought it was over. So, um, but, you know, I, I never quit fighting. You know, there's always crazy stuff that can happen with him missing that putt on 14 um, and then missing another one on 16 and 17. So um, it's it's just unreal how it all went down, and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> I would say now that, now, that, now that you've had some time to, you know, think about it, it's it's been a little over 24 hours since you tapped in that final putt. How, how has everything been within that last 24 hours? Oh gosh, it's been so many messages on you know Instagram, Facebook, um, just text message, iMessage, you know, um, a lot of calls as well. It's too much to keep up with at the moment, mm -hmm. so I'm gonna probably after this work on getting some of those answered. Make sure no one important has messaged me or anything. So, um, but yeah, it's it's just been amazing. All the support's been incredible, and uh, you know, it's it's awesome. <laughs> Wow. You make nice. me, you make the show feel special. You said you get bombarded, you know, things are disappearing, but you did get back to us. So we really appreciate that. We gave a shout out to Alden Harris's vlog where you uh, were mimicking, you know, stat Mando. And by the way, Evan absolutely loved that. <laughs> nice. Evan, you should lean into the camera and type really fast and you oh. can be the next Gannon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You got to get about 10 feet closer. <laughs> yeah. My camera's too far away. <laughs> so we think that was totally cool. And it's hilarious. Again, if you haven't seen it, go over to Alden Harris's vlogs and you can check that out. The recent one, Nick and Matt show. So you told us recently, again, you were in studio with Isaac, with um, Alden and a group of others. And they were talking about your putts. And we were, I said, you made them look fairly easy. I feel like that happened again at USDGC, but in studio, you said, man, I'm pretty nervous usually with my putts. I'll tell you what, it didn't look that way. And I think in your post round interview, you mentioned that, like, I don't think you were feeling that nervous, but maybe you can correct me. Maybe I misread that. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I guess everything before the double bogey on the final round of 13 was nerves. Like I was scared to death to putt. I mean, my hand shakes whenever I'm mm-hmm. that nervous to the point where it the putt feels almost impossible and it feels like I'm just chucking it up there and hoping it goes in. Um, but uh, after the double bogey, I, yeah, I'd given up almost. So um, I was like, I mean, I knew I was only down three, but with how solid he's been playing, hit playing, it was like, you know, I thought it was over. Obviously there wasn't like a ton of room to mess up except for 17, which I feel like isn't that hard of a hole. I feel like it's just, I feel like people have just made terrible decisions in the past on what to throw <laughs> on that hole. And mm-hmm. that's the only reason they've taken, taken those big numbers. Cause it, to me, it, you know, I probably threw 25 shots in practice and I missed one time on the Island. So, so, and I, I think it's, you know, I, I just kind of lost hope, but uh, yeah, I think because in a way I quit caring, I don't know. Um, the nerves went bye-bye and then I could kind of just focus, I kind of just focus on the shot more than the situation. Um, I, you know, obviously took my deep breaths. I, I knew what the moments meant, but I didn't really have any nerves, I guess, mm-hmm. which is like the first time ever. Wow. So that's interesting. And you're attributing that to the fact that maybe you felt like you were, you kind of felt like you were out of it. So it was kind of like nothing to lose. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I know I was so far ahead of. I'm not so far, but like a solid three strokes. Yeah, and then after I think 14, four strokes ahead of uh, third place. So I was like, okay. you know, I'm just gonna try to play consistent. If I get four of these last five, I'll definitely have. A, I'll be in a playoff where I'm gonna win. So mm. um, you did. After you missed that putt on 14, I knew he was gonna be shaky. So I kind of mm. just it, it was, you know, I don't realize it at the time, but I, I bet it's somewhat, you know, intimidating you know, me, seeing me, you know, play those last five holes to perfection and then having, you know, he had to basically match me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like it was hole 14 where you big putted him. Right. I mean, that's what I call it. It wasn't like intentional yeah. on your part, but that's what happened. Um, And so what was your read in that moment? Like, can you remember what went through your head when he, I don't know, missed that short, short putt compared to what you did? What was your thought in that moment? I was like, I'm, I'm back in this now. You know, okay. those two strokes I just lost, I got them right back in one hole. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, dang. Now, like, all, all, all I was thinking is if I get three of these next four birdies, worst case, I'm in a playoff. Mm-hmm. So, because I, I just had a feeling he wouldn't, you know, birdie out. So, um, man. Wow. Uh, it was weird. Like, I guess, I guess anytime I saw him close to the basket, I kind of just assumed he'd make the putt. And like that wasn't really true to the back nine. So, um, yeah, it was just it was just insane how it all went down. <laughs> I want to hop in here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so after your putt on seventeen uh, and Niklas misses it, and you have a one stroke lead going into eighteen, uh, both of you pretty much match each other's shots on your drive off of eighteen. Niklas goes first, parks the hole. I know you can't quite see it from there, but you, based on the cheers, you probably had to know he was right there. So now you're going to step up to throw your second shot. What was going through your mm. mind? Was there nerves stacking up there now that you had the lead and you knew if you parked it, you were going to be the U.S. champion? Were you thinking like, well, at least it's going to be a playoff? What were your thoughts? But if you go OB, I mean, I went through every scenario well, and I wasn't even playing it. So, yeah, yeah tell us what you were true. thinking, Gannon. I, yeah, I went through every scenario in my head and I there was almost no scenarios where I – push a play up. I either win or I lose because the green's so tight. Um, you know, it's, 
it's weird because it's it's almost easy to park it if you throw the correct shot, but then it's really easy to go OB and you're going to be OB 40 feet from the basket. You're not going to be OB like next to the basket. So that's kind of, I guess, kind of my mindset. Um, so you can see in the in the, my second shot in 18, I hit that little leaf uh, on that tree. I was I was literally aiming at that leaf when I was throwing my shot, which is crazy. So um, I hit my line within like an inch of where I wanted to. Um, I was kind of having that as like my aiming point and it fade like just in front of it or kind of around that limb. I know I couldn't couldn't throw any wider or any tighter. It'd be OB left or right. Um, and uh, all I could think about was, you know, I lost like Vegas on a short up shot. Mm. I mean, not the Vegas up shot was super easy too. I just made the the mistake of, you know, sure it was a little bit of a bad roll at the end of the, that last shot, but I also could have played it short in the hill instead of you know trying to park it. Um, so I was kind of just thinking, what can go wrong? And then the second I left my hand, and you can hear me say, I think yes or let's go. Um, I once it got past that tree, I'm like, okay, now it's nothing but just free safe ground from there. Um, and you know, the second I heard the cheers louder than Nicholas, I I knew it was pretty much over and I by the time I went up and walked about 150 feet away past that tree where Calvin's drive landed which was crazy his drive was insane um Isaac Alden and Gavin right there and I'm like how far is it kind of just like wondering if they can give me a measurement and they're like you mean that far so at that point I knew it was pretty much over uh, I mean that last part was like 15 feet but still you know a little nervy yeah yeah, yeah. wow uh, <laughs> I'm telling you like so Whenever I get the opportunity to talk to players, meet players in person, I have this newfound, like, oh, I'm a fan of this player. And so the reality is I'm a fan of so many players right now. But you have a storyline that is really intriguing and interesting. You've heard the stat a million times now, youngest player to do this at the USDGC. The story of you being a major fan of Will, the first event you've been at, there's videos circulating about that. Um, we've asked you on your first interview, your second interview on this show, like, Hey, how does your age play into this? I mean, that's, you've had a lot building into this. It's so early in your career. You've heard that a million times. Where do you go from here? Like try to win it again? <laughs> like worlds? Like, what is it? Yeah, I, I think it's going to make winning a lot easier, honestly. Um, okay. I've been so stressed out. I just, I wanted to win almost too bad. Um, being hmm. so close so many times on the pro tour. Um, a couple notable ones, obviously Vegas, um, Jonesboro. I triple bogey the the island hole and end up losing by four, and that's almost like a gimme birdie. It feels like I mean, sure it was a little windy, but uh, you know if I birdie that hole, I'm in the playoff with Calvin and Paul. Um, I know it's a little bit of a far stretch, but it's possible. And um, you know, Idle Wild obviously was only like three back after shredding the first two rounds, and clearly wasn't enough because Isaac just destroyed that tournament. Um, and then at Maple Hill as well, you know, being, you know, I had the lead half, you know, after the front nine and ended up losing by two because I double, I double bogeyed again. Um, and that whole week at MVP just felt like it was full of bad breaks and it felt like it was out of my control. And I, no matter what I did, like my really good shots would have a good result. And then my good shots would just get destroyed by trees, it felt like. So uh, to finally, you know, just the second I heard those cheers, it was just so awesome. And it, I think it's going to make winning a lot easier because I don't have that much pressure to get that first win. And especially, you know, not it's a major win. It's much bigger than a pro tour event. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think less pressure and hopefully more wins moving forward. Hmm. 
Now, do you feel a lot of players, you know, it's kind of maybe almost 50-50 now at this point, but feeling the prestigiousness from a world championships to the United States, this golf championships, and you played both of them this year. Now, how do the two different or two tournaments kind of differ from each other when it comes to that prestigious feel? Yeah, it's, I don't know, Worlds is tough to have like a prestigious feel because one, it's at a different course every year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, no hate to Emporia or the courses, but you know, just the land that they have to work with. It's not very like, I feel like exciting to watch. It's, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people that aren't a fan of Emporia. And so um, like, I, don't know, I, I just did, I wanted to win worlds really bad, but I just, I didn't have the fire that I did for this event. Um, and I don't know, I, USDGC, you come back to the same course every year. It's the first event I ever really watched on camera. And that's why Will Schuster became my favorite player is because he won. And then obviously I was kind of a, uh, bandwagon at that point kind of in a way yeah because it was the first person who won i was like oh he's the best i'm gonna you know he's my favorite player now um obviously i didn't know too much i just saw that off that one video and then um went to my mom drove me there the next year and then seven years later i to win it is just insane and um you know getting to see these holes you know the trees grow every year um or to play some of the older holes that are still in the ground today is just incredible can I talk about the course? This is your second year coming into the event. Did you like the changes? Uh, one of the most notable ones, I would say, is hole three, combining hole three's tee pad into four's basket. Did you like the changes that Winthrop brought this year? Um, there's a couple of changes I like and a couple I really didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see. I'm not a, let's, I'll just go through the whole course, I guess. Yeah. Um, hole two, not a huge fan of. It's it seemed old hole two was perfect. It was, you throw a good drive, you know, you still have the OB parking lot on the left and, you know, the OB fence on the right. And then I guess with the mozzarella sticks that they didn't have this year, um, but it still made it, it made it difficult, but it was a very fair hole. Um, this year it was a little, little tight up by the basket, OB right and left, um, probably only 40 feet from each other, uphill, super low ceiling, kind of a weird line too. And with the Mando low, like yeah, the low ceiling, it was, just kind of a weird hole. It felt like too much of a bonus birdie. felt like there's going to be a lot of pars, a lot of bogeys, but really no birdie. So not a ton of score separation. It didn't feel like it was a birdie. I mean, you had to basically pure the drive within like a foot of where you want to birdie that hole. Um, hole three is probably my least favorite change on the course. It's mm -hmm. really just a bad hole. You, I mean, you look at the scores. I mean, the final round, there was two birdies and I was one of them. Um, and I... I bet there was maybe one, maybe two players inside circle one for a birdie on that hole. Um, there's the T, the T is really weird. You have these like concrete blocks like on the back of the T and you want to kind of tee off from the top right of the T to cut that corner because they didn't trim the trees on the left. So that was hard to kind of like, it was hard to get left, but then you also have the hazard on the left. It was just, it's an impossible hole, but it's also like, I mean, my double bogey was from a four putt. It wasn't, you know, that almost never, ever happens. So you consider that and you're going to have just a bunch of pars, a couple bogeys and like one birdie. So there's just no sort, there's no score separation. It doesn't really separate the really good players that can execute the shots to the players that, you know, may have, haven't done, uh, didn't do so good at the event. Um, hole four, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it. The gap just, it's way bigger on camera. The gap looks huge on camera. Um, really? that, gap, that gap is tiny. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I could like basically lay my body and I'd be the size of the gap. 
It's and it's like 300 feet down the pipe. Um, it just seems like I feel like if you if you throw a decent shot, you should get rewarded, and it was a little punishing. Um, I, I laced it like two of the rounds, but um, that still doesn't take away from the fact that you know almost good shots just got I mean completely screwed for a bogey. So um, not a huge fan. Um, five with them moving it closer to the water, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it makes people they don't want to run the putt as much because and that just makes it less exciting. I thought it was a perfect hole the way it was. Not a huge change, but a little bit of a difference. Um, let's see. Hole nine doesn't have the the poles anymore. That has like the Christmas trees, the fake Christmas trees. Um, I didn't mind that change. I think it made it a little bit easier, and I think they opened the green up. So I think it's a pretty fair hole. It's it's one you want to get, but it can also give you a bogey. So kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And one that was probably the most speculated was hole eleven, with the weird the way it looks so weird. Um, I'm actually a huge fan of that change. I think it's um, once you play the course enough and figure out where you want to land, there's actually spots where you can pick where exactly where you want to land. And if you throw a good shot, you're going to get rewarded with that. And then the second shot, same thing, you know, just throw a good shot. And you're going to get rewarded. I'm a big fan of that. So there wasn't really any gimmicky stuff, even though it looked kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And 13 is probably another one of the worst changes. There was nothing wrong with the hole before, honestly. It's just a really kind of dumb tee shot. I'd, I don't hate the hole itself. It's just a downgrade, it feels like, from the hole prior. It's such an iconic hole to go across the parking lot, and that's where people take these big numbers. Yep. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him bring back the original 888. I think that's a great hole. Mm-hmm. It brings a lot of score separation, and it's, you know, if you birdie it, it's well-deserved. Um, yeah, that, there's no reason Tree should be two inches from the chains. Um, I was yeah. just outside the bullseye, and I had to take – you know, 30 seconds to just find a window that I could barely hit. And that you should never have to worry about that. And the camera's Uh, microphones picked you up. I think you said like, this is so stupid. (laughs) Good. Good. Good for you. Um, But uh, I mean, it it played really tough. It's not like a terrible hole. It's, it's just very difficult and it's a downgrade. That's kind of the reason I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Did they say why for any of this? By the way, you can go on the next hole, but like it looked like it was probably a parking thing. They're trying to get more people there to view, and so they had to give that I, up. I heard that, but to be honest, they would only be able to get like six, maybe sixty more cars okay. in there, okay. which I feel like isn't a huge difference. Yeah, you already have you know a thousand parking spots around the rest of the campus, and then just to like take away a good hole for like sixty more. Yeah. Kind of seems like yeah, a little bad. The, I mean, the tee shot looked miserable on that hole. It just it didn't it yeah, didn't look good. Agreed, million percent. I didn't just the I didn't care for it. It's a low ceiling tee shot over a massive yeah. hill <laughs> into. I mean, there's no way to get it like to the ground fast. You have yeah. to do that, and then people were cheating and taking a hyzer, and like that just takes away from what the intended hole was. Um, yeah. Even the hole we played last year was fine. Like there's there was just no reason to change it. I'm not a huge fan of, you know, that's the whole thing of USCGC is it's cool to come back and play the same holes. It's okay if they make mm-hmm. slight different, slight changes in the OB lines, I feel like. But when you completely destroy the hole, it's a little frustrating. But that's but, pretty much it for the rest. Because uh, then you the birdied out 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Any of those holes. Exactly. Yeah. You get done with the dumb hole and then you just play the good holes in it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> The one, the one really bad hole you did bad on. The rest of the good holes you did really, really well on. So, 
Um, so yeah, overall the course is really fun. It's pretty fair. Um, there's not, there's not like, there's maybe one or two gimmicky holes. Um, the only reason I wouldn't like the other holes is because there's no score separation. And I'm a fan of, um, you know, because I'm, I guess in the higher end players that if I throw a good shot, I should deserve a birdie where, you know, someone else that might not throw a good shot, we're just all going to get pars anyway. So, um, you know. Well, I'm thinking to myself, we are lucky to get you on here. You are bombarded with interviews. I think you had like, correct me if I'm wrong, you had three interviews like immediately following your win. Like separate yeah. interviews. Yeah. Um, I, oh gosh, I, I have a bunch to do tomorrow. Press conference, <laughs> another thing I'm filming. Um, I think maybe another <laughs> Oh, another podcast tomorrow night. And I called a dude like on the spot today um, from my local news channel, trying to just get, you know, some stuff figured out and how to make, I guess, a story about that. And then trying to get some uh, stamps designed for the discs that will come out um, for my win. But uh, so, you know, it's been really busy and I'm still need to, like I said, check through the messages to see what they have. So Do uh, do you have an idea of what disc is that you're coming out with? Um, I think so. I think I'm, Hopefully, um, probably maybe a 350 GPA three would I putt with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just gonna be super sick to have a you know US champion on that that disc that I'm just so confident with. I think it's one of the best putters on the market. I mean, the best putter in my opinion. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, um, on Team Prodigy we have a bunch of good putters, and I think part of that reason it could be the disc. Who knows? Um, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've or the the A2. I'm not sure what plastic it would be in. Um, potentially bringing back an older plastic, which would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the same plastic that I'm, I throw all my uh, upshots with the 450 A2, which mm-hmm. hadn't been released since like 2018. So, um, what was the disc that, you were throwing on hole 10? That's a so the, that's a really old run D3. It's really, okay. it's like a mutant D3. You know, D3s aren't supposed to be that overstated. Yeah. The only um, D3 that I've ever seen fly like that are the old Will Shushrick ones that had his yep. stamp on it from like long, long, the white ones. The white ones with the copper and black. Yep. I have, so I have, I think I have two of those with that stamp on it. And mm-hmm. then I have, I think three, no, probably four more. I think I have maybe five more, two cam, two or three Cameron Cole Glazer ones from the mm-hmm. same run. Uh, I have a double G one from that run and maybe one more. Um, yeah. So that that's a that's a 400G. I was throwing a 400 plastic blend um, mm-hmm. for that shot on 10, and uh, you know it's it's such a good disc. It's just reliably overstable. Wind doesn't really affect it, and uh, I can trust it. Yeah, it's crazy the amount of ante you're putting on it and having it yeah. still come back the way that it was was pretty filthy. And you know, not to knock the commentators, but I can never trust what disc they're saying <laughs> because 90% of the time they're wrong about what disc it is. So I figured I would just ask you. I think Ian called it a D model OS. Yeah, which, exactly. Um, okay. We've never really made him in that kind of a color, I guess. So, Apparently, when, but, you, when you were here last, you looked at some of my Prodigy plastic that I had, and you're like, oh, this would go for 80 bucks on auction right now. And I'm like, dang, I should just give it to you, and you can sell it and make the money. But now you're making loads. If you win the championship, six, is that $60,000? If you're able to, like, in the last yeah. week, it'll be sixty grand. And, I mean, that's... 
That's yeah. different. That's different to say. Uh, I want to do something real quick. Just bring in um, our intern producer. He just showed up here in studio. I want to let him ask a question. Man. Gannon, let's go. I just drove over two hours to Matt's studio to let you know that I called it. I knew you're going to win. Um, I saw that clip. Yeah, I, I, I knew it. Super, super gassed about it. I was literally two hours away and I drove just here. Um, so I just wanted to congratulate you on that win. And I guess my question would be any, any inspiration for the young guns out there that, you know, are just picking up the game, seeing you getting inspired by a, by a major win, um, on just, yeah, yeah. Any, any inspiration for that motivation, any, any advice for, for the young and up and coming generation like you were to, or Will Shushik was to you? Yeah. Um, I think you know, it's, it's, a, you always follow your dreams. And, you know, if, you know, it'd be best if you pick one dream you want to follow, I feel like, and just put all your time into that. Um, and you might think you'll never get there, but it'll happen one day if you put the work in. Um, but I also think it's very important to do it correctly. If you don't work correctly and then whatever you, you know, do when, you know, in disc golf, I'll just, we'll just say form, you know, I think that's the, one of the main reasons that I got as good as I have is because I've studied form and then I've put the time in with the form. And I think um, after that, it makes it makes it so you can basically throw any shot you want to. And if disc golf is what you want to pursue um, for any of those kids, you know, just work on your form and forever, basically, and, until you're satisfied. <laughs> uh, I'm still working, you know, today on my form to get maybe a little more distance or something. So, um, you know, there's, there's always work to be done. And uh, make sure you do it correctly. That way, you can improve the fastest, and uh, you know, just make sure you're doing it, doing it the right way. So I'll I'll go on record and say I already told you when you were up in the studio, my form is literally based off Gannon's. I try and study his, and um, I showed him it, and you know, so far I've had a little bit of success. Finally, 900 rated. I was 780 last year, so he's right. There you go. You it's like all about the form, baby. 500. Yeah, like 500 in the tank if you really get on, get on one. Yes, sir. You saw. I got it over that lake. Did. You did. Uh, I'm doing something wrong, Gannon. I'll I'll figure out how to pay you to come out here and help me, apparently. Watch his YouTube videos. They're <laughs> actually amazing. I literally, I'm not even kidding. They make so much sense. Like, who knew you threw with your shoulders? <laughs> not me, until Gannon said it. <laughs> so... We have got to this place where we're pretty much done. There's so much we could talk about forever. But like you you told me when I called you up prior to the interview tonight, you're like, I'm actually right now practicing. I think it was Nevins is what you were probably practicing. Yeah. And had you ever seen it or played there before? And what's your general first thoughts about the course? Yeah, I, I think I played like 12 holes. Um, the main issue is daylight, actually. Um, we kind of <laughs> lost daylight. So, And I actually... I put in the wrong layout on UDisc, so I went to like the wrong hole. So I started on like hole seven or something, and then I played like hole 17 or something like that. Mm. Um, oh, it's it's such a sick course. There's a couple trees that, a couple lines that seem like gimmicky, like you lace it and then you'll hit like one tree and then you'll be done for. <laughs> um, the rough is basically Northwoods black, so that's gonna be interesting for sure. Um, I already think I made a decent decent game plan on a couple of the holes, and. That's just to stay in, stay in the fairway. Don't even go for any distance because you can always go for it on the second shot. Just don't lose it on the first shot. I'm trying to go mm-hmm. for too much. Um, I don't know. It's a little weird. A lot of everyone pretty pretty much knows now that I prefer flex lines or hitting gaps on Anheuser. I think it's a lot easier. 
um, to hit my release point, the angle, the touch of the shot. Um, and out here, there's a bunch of hyzer flips out of the gaps. Mm. And the gaps are really tight, and I'm really terrible at that, honestly. So um, I've been having a little bit of issues pulling or early releasing some shots. So hopefully I can get that dialed in. But the course seems super sick, and it looks like it'll be a bunch of fun. Very cool. So between school not being completed yet, um, interviews, podcast with, you know, this tournament that's still coming up, the potential to win so much money, you go back to your classes after all of this. And us in the disc golf world, we think it's pretty big what we're doing. And quite frankly, I mean, we know the stories, we know what's going into it, and it is big. But in the whole like concept of the world and sports, it's not that big yet, but you go back to your classes and your teachers and like, are they starting to believe you? Like you went and what earned how much money, you know, like, I mean, what do they think of it? Um, I don't know. It just depends on the teacher, honestly. Some <laughs> think it's cool. Some don't care at all. Some <laughs> don't like them never in school. Um, but, uh, I th- most of them are pretty cool about it and they actually enjoy it and follow it, which is nice. Um, but, uh, you know, when I go back to school, you know, no one really says anything. Kind of just go back to <laughs> class and do my stations. Nobody wants autographs? I mean, come on. They got to be lining up at the door. Oh, no. They never let the doors open for the people. <laughs> After this people one, they will. The people are lining up out the school. They're yeah, like, no, Gannon's busy. Um, I oh, find all this really intriguing, man. I think if I ask the question, like, what? what's your long-term goal for like your career? I'm assuming it's to graduate high school and then be full-time disc golf as long as you can. Is that right? Yep. And then after my body breaks down and I'm old, I'll do something else with disc golf, Teach. whether that's teaching, yeah. teaching disc golf. I feel like I'm, I, you know, I just based off the comments on my YouTube channel, I, I can teach in a way that uh, other people uh, might not teach it, I guess, right. Or in a way you can understand it. And that's my whole goal is so that people can understand it and they can improve off that and get the correct teaching um, so they can improve the fastest um, or, you know, make my own company, work for any manufacturer that I'm with at the time, anything really in disc golf. Mm. We got to come up with some like brand and marketing. It's like burr, ice cold or something. Cannon's <laughs> <laughs> burritos. All right, oh, I don't. That's genius. <laughs> Don't let Matt do your campaign. No, sorry. <laughs> um, wow. I, I think that's all I had. Unless, did we drop any cool stats for him, Evan? Did I miss it when I was trying to, like, line up both Ben in the studio and Gannon? Tell, tell him his Casper throw. Tell him Casper throw. Earned. Boy. So. Oh, wait. Let him, let him. Let him. Gannon, if you had to guess. <laughs> if you had to guess. We can tell you the amount of strokes. You threw the disc 223 times. Just pull out a You $25,000. Let's see your high school math at work right now. <laughs> You have a general idea of your cash per throw. This can be so bad. Uh, yeah, it's like hundred hundred and wait. No. You can just round it like that. That's fine. It's pretty good. Like we're like hundred and twenty bucks per throw. You know, yeah. That was All actually right. really close. Give I this, thought, dude, if he gets hundred twelve, I was gonna now. say he's been watching the show. <laughs> okay. It was a yeah. hundred and what, Evan? Hundred and twelve dollars and eleven cents. That's just crazy. And you ready? When Every you, single time you threw it. And, and your classmates. Including OB strokes. Yeah, your classmates won't understand the strokes per throw dollar amount. I mean, they'll be like, that's okay. But if you say, listen, 
I was making $103 per minute, then maybe that would throw something their way. They'd be like, what? Like, I make $18 an hour. And he only works three hours a day. (laughs) That's why I'm so grateful to be in this sport and where I'm at is because I I honestly, like, when I think of workout, I just would hate it, I feel like. So, um, you know, disc golf is very stressful. I I just remember saying yesterday, I want to get this day over with as quick as possible. Um, I just, I I honestly didn't want to play. I was having trouble eating because I was so nervous. I didn't want to eat anything. Um. So that's kind of, that's how it actually is like every day of a tournament. So it's a little rough, but uh, every time the weekend come or the, you know, next week comes by little stress gets taken off and that's nice. So, um, but yeah, you know, them making, having to work out hourly jobs and, you know, not making a ton of money. That's why I'm, I feel so blessed to be in the sport. Amen. Awesome, man. Uh, the, the floor is yours. I know you're going to have so many opportunities. You've already talked a lot. Is there anything you want to shout out or say at all? It's yours. Otherwise, we'll let you go. Um, just thanks to my yeah friends, family, and sponsors, and uh, just all the support from everyone. It's been incredible. I have too many people to thank. So That's great. But, yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show and taking the time out of your day. We, we but, really appreciate that, Gannon. It's like we've got the direct presidential line right to Gannon. I really appreciate that. We got to keep that going. So yeah. thanks for coming on, Gannon. Good luck out there. Uh, as I said, you've you've made a fan out of me for so many reasons, and I know Ben in here is a big fan. And I'm a fanboy. <laughs> oh, we got the fanboy. Um, but but long story short, thank you very much. Privilege and an honor. Congratulations and good luck out there. We'll stay in touch and see you around, man. Sweet. Peace thank out. You guys. See you, dude. All right, so Ben, did you go to a Halloween party and dress up like The Rock when he had the fanny pack picture? No, this is uh, so my girlfriend has this family tradition. They climb up or they drive up a mountain two hours away in North Adams, Mount Greylock, and this is the one of the things I bought there. Um, nice smiley face bead, and this is the outfit I wore. So no, this is just how who I am. It's awesome. <laughs> well, do you, do you know the picture that I'm yes, talking about? Yes, with the fanny yeah. pack. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. But um, okay. Oh man, yeah, I literally that's drove a, two hours one, away Nick. straight here. Like I I had I had to come, and you know the chat was going off saying my job is much more secure now. So that was fun to see. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's secure for yeah, so many reasons. It's uh much harder to multitask yeah. and press buttons and talk at the same time. But, so yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I won't I'll, miss. I won't miss again unless I'm I'll, sick. <laughs> Um, so a few notable things to me that stood out about that interview. And I think, I don't remember who asked it, but we, we said something along the lines of like getting this big win out of the way, or we didn't say it that way, but he alluded to the fact that he thinks wins are going to come easier. And I think that was in response to you, Nick. And it was like, wow, if he's accurate, which very could, the case could be made, you get this one off your back. If he's accurate, then that's a big deal. Like, okay. All right, I got a question. Who wins USCGC next year? First, <laughs> Gannon again or Ricky Wysocki? Uh, Ricky Matteo. <laughs> you think you think Ricky, Evan? I think so. It's so hard to win USGC twice. Like, I mean, Paul McBeth's done it three times. Will Shustrick's done it three times. Uh, Barry Schultz has done it three times. Yeah, Ken Barry Schultz done it five times. Nate Dawson's think- done it twice there's twice. a couple people who have done it twice i can look yeah. it up while we're talking yeah. but it it's so hard to do and i don't know like Gannon could it's do hard. it again like he, yeah. he obviously has the skills too he has i well, mean the experience there so, he could but like ricky like 
he has it, of course. I yeah. think it, it totally is mental with him. You saw how he how he responded when he had the lead in round three and he just, he didn't birdie a hole until like hole 14. Yeah. Like that's so on Ricky. Like, like he, he's a fantastic player of course. And there's the whole talk of majors versus other wins, all that going on, but he has it. Like, obviously he does. I say Gannon since I predicted this one. <laughs> I think, I, I think Gannon, I think Gannon would win USCGC before Ricky does. I think personally, I mean, I, I I understand what he's saying in the sense of like now that he's got what do you call it the monkey off the back or whatever. Yeah, I think it's kind of like when you remember when Paige was right on the cusp of trying to get to thousand rated. <laughs> yeah, I do, and then it dropped, and it's like wow, and it was a significant drop at that. Had she hit the thousand rated, I think that's a different thing to where like you know what I've done it, I can do it again. But like now that she's done it, okay, she proved that she could do it. You know what I mean? Now I think it'd be almost easier to like, I'll say this. I, I'm just barely above thousand rated, but since I've been thousand rated, I haven't dropped below it. Like, I think it's easier to stay above thousand rated than it was getting to thousand rated. Hmm. And, you know, yeah. I think that's, I mean, I, players are still evolving. Players are still getting a lot better. Gannon, Gannon's only 17 years old. He's going to get significantly better. I think with, just in general, I did want to ask him what's one thing in his game that he feels like is missing right now. And I did yes. like how he said he likes hitting lines, especially in the woods on Annie's. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool because I'm the exact opposite. I like more of that kind of Heiser flip line, throw something a little bit understable, get it to flip up to flat and then ride. When trying to do not like a force over shot, but that touch of Annie right off the rip, I think it's just a really, really impressive shot that I, I don't throw nearly as well as a lot of players do. But um. Yeah. Yeah, I but, think kind of going back to just my question in general, I think it's the same thing. Like, who wins it? Who wins USCGC first, Paul or Ricky? You know? It, well, I think the question when it's centered around USDGC makes it really tough because it, it is so hard to win it twice, as I was saying. I looked it up, and it is only those four players, Climo, Schultz, Schuster, and Macbeth, who have won it multiple times. It's so hard to win it multiple times. Like, besides yeah. Macbeth, we haven't seen a multi-time winner uh, since Schuster in 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, was I think that was his last time he won. Like, that's so many years in a row with anyone not named Macbeth winning twice. So mm -hmm. that's just, like, its own uh, own question. But mm -hmm. To Gannon saying that wins are going to be easier, I think that's absolutely true. Like, I think he's at least going to get a couple next year. Now that he got this, he's going to feel feel the like less like pressure yes. to get that that monkey off his back. I mean, Vegas was one thing. That was his first time kind of there, and he almost had it. But we saw it as he was going through all of his events. I'm not going to give him that Jonesboro almost one. Like that, you can't go back to hole six. I'm sorry, yeah. Gannon. Yeah, no, um, no, I, but. But yeah. like Ledgestone absolutely was in like he was fighting in like the last six holes. He was nearby and then he just would drop off. MVP was the same thing. Where he's in that hunt. He's right there. And then he just he, all of a sudden he's gone. And I think those ones will stop. Uh, he, he won't feel the pressure. He has to get it. And I think your point of Paige Pierce trying to hit a thousand or Paige Pierce trying to go for six time. Ricky trying to get a major again. All those are true that it's there's so much pressure there whether you say it or not that gannon was in the same boat to get that first win mm -hmm. now that he has it it's gonna be it's gonna flow so not not like 10 wins a year but i no, I, no, no, I, no, no. But I think i, I wouldn't be surprised if if gannon drops one or two elite series events a year and maybe throwing another major every other year like that wouldn't surprise me at all that would but, be nasty i mean 
out of, out, of, out of the young guns that are up and coming on the tour, like let's take the the Kyle Kleins, the Gannon Burrs. There's a couple other Colbert Dollins. Like Gannon, I think is significantly Kyle Klein almost won USCGC last year. I mean, he forced the playoff, so he's been right there in contention to win a major elite series events. Um, Kyle does have a win or two, I think. Idlewild. One or two of them. He, yeah, and... he only has Idlewild. Okay. Okay. Um, I can remember close if he won Michigan, he was close but I think D, he lost by one. He was one. close at D-Glow. He was close yep. at UGC. He had a few others. Yep. But let me. Yeah, yeah. I, I know where you're going with it, too. I'll, I'll just say real quick that Gannon's just been so much more consistent than yes. any other young player we've yes. seen. We saw Adam Hammes get two wins last year. Mm-hmm. We saw Kyle Klein get the one win and two other second-place finishes. We've seen other young guns be like, wow, this guy is the future. Mm-hmm. And then they have those weeks where they're – mysteriously gone and we have no clue where they went. Yeah. Uh, Gannon has not been that he's maybe had like two events outside, like the top 25, like the rest of this year, he's been right there with every other big name player, just missing the wins. And now he has it. I think it's a different scenario than any other young player. Okay. I have mm-hmm. to get to this. We've got to talk about it. <laughs> Hemfield botanicals. This product when applied has a nice, well, specifically this muscle recovery. A very nice cooling sensation followed by what you know is a pain relief. It's also a muscle recovery for your general aches and pains. 20% off if you go over to Hempfield Botanicals. If you use the code Nick and Matt, get 20% off. This is targeted pain relief, the salve. And we always talk about Nick's favorite. And it's starting to get to that season specifically where you use chapstick. Uh, this is not snapstick. This is chapstick. And this is the Hempfield CBD uh, chapstick. All great products. Fantastic. Very happy to partner with them. They've been very happy to partner with us. Thank you very much for supporting Hempfield Botanicals. Again, go check them out. Hempfieldbotanicals.com. Get 20% off using the code Nick and Matt. Let me first say, was Paul McBeth his best when he was 17 years old? No. Was any, like, pick any player out there. Were they their best? No. Can we say that with all confidence that right now, Gannon is not his best right now? I think we can say that with pretty high confidence level. Gannon is not his best. The fact that he just won this now and he's probably going to continue to develop. I mean, I guess there's an absurd idea that he's he's reaching his ceiling really early and now he just needs to refine it. But if this is not his ceiling... I just, I, I said it be very beginning of this year after LVC. I expect him to win a few worlds. I, who knows if that happens? It's not like I'm the guy who decides that, it, but it, very high ceiling for him. It reminds me of LeBron James. He was hot off the scene, took, took the Cleveland Cavalier, <laughs> Cavaliers rookie year to his, uh, to the championship. And then, you know, he, it's not like he ever peaked. He just I thought kept, they missed the playoffs he, he that kept, year, did they? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think no. he brought him to the championship his rookie year. Oh, well, it was what I'm I pretty they were sure still was. was. Dog yeah. I'm pretty sure they had like the number one pick for the reason. If they went to the first round of the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised. Fact but at the same me. time, they but I'm just were, saying, he just, he just kept climbing. Stat or he fact. never yeah. peaked. Okay. So we can wrap that conversation LeBron James is Gannon Burr. We all agree Gannon's incredible. And... There's other players who are going to be incredible, and there have been, and you can see their talent, but there's something here. I hope that he's able to get all the coaching of for, like, how to continue through this career of his. That's a lot to manage. Like, I know he's still got his parents helping right now, but there is a lot that's coming at him, and he's going to have to settle in. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some weird decline if he's trying to figure this whole disc golf career out. But he's on the right track. Let's wrap up 
with this. We're well over time already, and some don't care. We don't fully care, but I kind of do. We all work. <laughs> but yeah. here it is. It's going to be pretty simple. I know it's not going to be, but it could be. Player of the year, we talked about prior to USDGC. Player of the year post-USDGC, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I said, so if nobody wins out of Paul, Ricky, or Simon, or Chris Dickerson, which really was just kind of like a, a fringe topic for Chris Dickerson, but if none of them win, then who's the, the player of the year? And I'm pretty sure, well, we know Ricky said he was, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ricky is kind of where we had all landed. And Nick might have mm -hmm. said, eh, I'm not sure, but... Is that it's the I'll, I'll throw it to the stat man, stat man, <laughs> the stat man and stat mando. Throw it to the stat man in the show. Like, is it Ricky pretty obvious, or where are you at with that? Uh, I think it is. I know there's arguments uh, to be made. I would say mainly for Macbeth to be uh, depending on what you factor. Um, I factor wins as the most i mean you can factor major wins as more but four elite series wins compared to one elite series win and one major i'm gonna have to side with the four elite series wins uh of course simon also has four elite series wins and at that point i would bring it to other factors i mean the strength of field in those wins and then also the rest of the season how you uh consistency as a lot of people will say um so i i think it's I think it's Ricky. I think it's locked up unless, you know, Macbeth or Simon wins tour championship and then it'll kind of get really confusing on how much you weight that event. <laughs> yep. um, but I totally understand why people are maybe going towards Macbeth right now. When you look at majors, I mean, three out of the four majors, Macbeth uh, finished um, in the top four. Uh, Champions Cup is the only one he didn't and he still had that incredible round and worked his way back up to, I think, top 15, at least top 20. Um, top and 10. Top 10. Wow. Okay. Look at me. Uh, and then Ricky, on the other hand, the last two majors has kind of made a spark, but then have fallen off and was kind of out of contention for the last round or two. Um, and that says something a lot, especially with the player of the year voting, which I think is a little bit of uh, recency bias. We, we tend to wait USDGC worlds, you know, the last couple elite series events more than we do, you know, the first month and even the first major of champions cup. Uh, so th there's a lot you can go with it. I'm not going to fault anyone for saying Paul Macbeth or Simon Lazat, uh, but I do think it is pretty clearly Ricky so, right now. There's two other thoughts here is, or, or reminders or things to at least point out is there's PDGA player of the year. That's strictly points factored. It's going to say, here's how you participated in an event. Here's the events you won. Here's the points you get. There's also a disc golf pro tour player of the year, which right now, I don't know, you know, how everybody feels about that, but there's also that, and it's a different factor. Evan, you have the breakdown. I know that it's going to be vote-based, um, and they're giving media a vote because I'm on mm -hmm. DGN show. I get a vote, uh, as in League Night, DGN, and Evan, you are a stat guy for the uh, contracted by Disc Golf Pro Tour. I believe you get a vote, uh, but there's 30% mm -hmm. is going to be media vote. Do you know the rest of the breakout there? Yeah, uh, so it's a third media vote. It'll be a third your Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, standings placement. Uh, and then it'll be a third your average finish at majors and the Tour Championship. Uh, so those five events combined. Um, it, it will be based on your uh, rank, not necessarily the point value. Um, so, but even though Ricky and Paul were less than five po points mm. apart, uh, Ricky will be a 
rank of one for the Pro Tour standings. Paul McBeth will be a rank of two. Uh, Paul McBeth has a better, uh, um, uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, majors and tour championship finish, although the tour championship hasn't happened. But from the four majors, he has the best average placement. If that stays, he will be the number one um, rank. Uh, and then so on. Right now it's Matt Orm as number two, Calvin Heinberg as three, and that rank would go down as well. And then you merge all three together. They're each valued equally. Um, and whoever has the best rank will be player of the Imagine year. Imagine if it splits, like PDGA goes one way and then Pro Tour goes another way. It would be like yeah. the fans well, could think... have the best of both worlds and they'd all say yeah. which is well, the better ranking system. I, I think that's probably what's going to happen i think because all right so does dgpt does this um the pro tour championships does that count towards the pdga's player of the year to the pdga's I player of the year PDGA's. So it's, a, it's a pdga event is it Same a pdga change. event though because it's yes a different only round. Round. yeah only 2016 was not a pdga sanctioned uh -huh. event every other one since has been sanctioned okay. it used to be an x a tier for 2017 and 18 i think in 2019 it switched to being officially a national tour event uh -huh. uh, and so i believe now it is considered an es tier so elite series gotcha okay i would assume it's factored the same i'll also know, do a shameless plug that stat mando we stat have our zones. official player of the year that you can <laughs> yeah it's not a stat zone it's on the rankings tab but you can view our player of the year as it gets updated each week uh and so i mean we do have ricky wysocki and kristen tatar winning both as of now I think it's a pretty good system, but I do think that there's other good systems too, like PDGAs. And you uh, can sell your own. End up being the You're just tour. not that guy to be like hardcore. We have the best because that's not who you are. But I think it. You probably believe it is the best if oh, you guys put it up. He is. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> right. whoa! Painting the picture about me. He's like, yeah. The rest of these like, suck. <laughs> that is not true. No, it's I, not. I, I'm kidding. It's not I true. think so. Okay. I mean, as a numbers guy, I obviously like the numbers. I I really do like our system. I will say there's a lot to be said about media voting. I I will say, uh, let's say, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the best words to say, but media is a good way to do it. Um, last year, we saw the fan vote go different way, and it went really heavily recency bias. Um, I mean, players who had incredible ends to the year uh, obviously earned those wins at the end of the year, uh, but it is a season-long award. Uh, and I think media voters maybe are a little bit better at examining the whole year. No shots. <laughs> but um, I, I do think there's something to be said about that because you can't quantify everything. It's really hard to make a system. Every point calculation comes from a human element to start. And so it's what you favor. I mean, you can uh, go to other points. I mean, we pulled a lot from golf where they value winning the most other systems will value average placement the most i mean you see in the pro tours that they they value a third of it as your average placement and then a third is your discount pro tour points which value winning so uh it, it all comes from a human element anyways okay I think that was good conversation. We gave 15 minutes bonus time, both thanks to Ben for coming yep. in and elaborating Let's a little go. bit, asking yeah. his questions and sharing. I do want to do one final shout out from my side. And I don't do this often with my kids, but when my son won world championship, that was the time I did it. Um, and I'll say again, my oldest, my 12 year old Hunter, he got his second tournament ace today. He was able to secure that. His first was when he was six years old. And now he had to wait six more years to get his next tournament ace. I I have one tournament ace, and that took me about 14 years to get to that point. He's done two by age 12. So 
let's I, I give it up to him. Congrats, Hunter. Two minus. He two. comes home Shout today and he's like, to Hunter. Yeah, he comes home today and he's like, there was no ace pot or anything or like we hadn't paid into it. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, so what do I get? <laughs> this is so funny. Hunter, I hope I'm not embarrassing you if you're watching or listening. They are upstairs. Watching? Yeah. <laughs> so this is delay. I'll hear the floor get stomped in a minute. Yeah. But it was like he was like, "What do I get? A pat on the back?" <laughs> he's so funny, Hunter. So he's hilarious. He's like, "Like, oh, it was nothing for me. Like, come on." And I'm like, "It's the pride. You have the pride. Like, you did it. Yeah. He you gets a shout out on, on the Nick and Matt show. Yeah, exactly. And and I'll say this: it's a nice just, eagle. I was. It was hard to see, but there was a hole where he did a double OB and then he missed the putt and he took a quadruple bogey like in his first four holes. And then he ended up three under par. So I was like, well, okay, way to fight back, dude. So he shot above Jeez. his rating. Yeah. So good That's for better him. Better than my score at that course. <laughs> so anyways, I wanted to shout him yeah. out, but we made it to the end. Nick, you get the close out. But I have, oh. I have just two more oh. things. One's a shameless plug. The other one, Gannon Bird never has to worry about qualifying for USDGC again. Yes. Which I think is Lifetime pretty badass. Exemption. I love that about this event. If you win it, you are forever qualified. We have players like Brinster there. There's 13. I think it's there. 13 players now. 13. Is that? Yeah. So, anyways, um, one last shameless plug. Just want to throw this out there. Do you guys watch the GK Pro skins? Yes. Often. Often. Okay. Very mm. fun thing to watch. A lot of people love watching them. Discira. Discira <laughs> and GK Pro had an awesome collaboration partnership throughout this whole year. We actually came out with their new jerseys that you could see Luke Humphrey's wearing. And then if you see the GK Pro guys as they're doing camera work every so often, you will see them. Deskira made those. We are super proud of them. They're if dope. you want one, go over to DeskiraDG.com. You'll see them right on the front page. They're super, super awesome. I shipped a bunch of them today. I have mine actually in my room right back there. Cannot wait to wear it during my round tomorrow. But anyways, DeskiraDG.com. I did want to give a shameless plug to that because I think these came out they look, so beyond badass. They look yeah. sick. They do. They're really cool. They're and very cool. Yeah, I like colors and I love the color blue. So the blue one, I instantly grabbed a blue medium and I was like, yep, that's fine. They have tons of colors on them. They're wicked comfortable. Love them. Anyways, check them out. Appreciate you guys. But anyways, to everyone in the chat right now, don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on this video. There has been a solid 300 plus people watching the whole night. Go ahead and hit that like button really quick. It helps us out. Don't forget to subscribe. Ben, thanks for coming in tonight. We had awesome interviews with Kat and Gannon. Congratulations to them. One last big tournament of the year, guys. Then we kind of, as a podcast, we kind of hit the off season and we'll get some random people on here and there. So anyways, <laughs> yes. thank you, everybody. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show. A disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.